Of course, if you're joining us live, we are on Utreon so we can hold guns just like that. I could actually hold a gun and not be pulled off the air. You know, I guess Larry Korea, I don't know. He's he's laughing. He's like, can this be possibly true? You know, you know how ridiculous things have gotten, but I don't know. If oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube. YouTube's <laughs> crazy. Yes, it is. It is. So this is why we're not on YouTube. So I could I could hold guns. I could do this on YouTube. See, that doesn't hurt anyone. That doesn't <laughs> hurt anyone out there. So if you're looking at this later on on YouTube and you want to join us live, go to Utreon slash who moved my freedom. If you're listening to this on audio, you want to join us live, do the same thing. All right. That being said, I'm going to load my guest onto the screen here and I'm going to push all the buttons and we're going to jump into this right now. Welcome back to the Hank Strange Situation, Lifestyles of the Locked and Loaded. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like Franklin Armory. Franklin Armory provides 100% U.S.-made firearms and awesome binary option triggers. Their focus and purpose is to provide freedom tools to all Americans, especially those in not-so-free states. So when you're in the market, please consider Franklin Armory. All right, here we go. We are live. Let's uh, let's get this going here. Okay, so Larry Korea, this is your first time on the show. You don't know this. We do this thing called Jazz Hands. It goes like this. We're taking it back from the terrorists. Everyone has to do it. No matter. I know you're a tough guy. There you go, Jazz Hands, <laughs> taking it back from the terrorists out there. We are live. I hope you guys have your big girl panties on. Listen, we. Th this is a big deal for me. I'm actually pretty excited to have Larry Correa, author, uh, on the show. This is episode 946 of the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. Like I said, our guest is author Larry Correa. Uh, he's a Second Amendment guy, a true dyed-in-the-wool gun guy. We'll get into all of that here. And he also has a book coming out, nonfiction, called In Defense of the Second Amendment. Larry Correa, I'm proud to say welcome to the podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, oh. I'm, glad, I'm glad to be here. Yes. Thanks for coming on. You know, we've we've had a few other famous people, but to me, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about this. The, some of the gun guys out there are not going to understand this, but you are a genuine gun guy, right? Do you want to just give people out there some of your pedigree? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I got famous for being a novelist, but uh, before I was a writer, I actually owned a gun store. Uh, I was an SOT Title Seven, so we did machine guns, suppressors, uh, all that fun stuff. Uh, I used to, back in the olden days, shoot three-gun, back at the dawn of three-gun, did that rather religiously. Uh, I've shot IDPA, USPSA, uh, all that kind of stuff. Love it. Uh, I was a concealed weapons instructor in the state of Utah for about 10 years. I uh, taught thousands of people, because uh, I used to teach a lot of classes. And did that for quite a long time. And yeah, I'm a hardcore gun guy. Yeah. Uh, I mostly write books so I can buy more guns. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Larry Korea is a for real, for real gun dude. Night Train is out there. He says, wow, the esteemed Larry Korea, the real deal. Yes, he's the real deal. You know, um, and so let me first of all, just give props to my brother, Anonymous Strange. I, I did an interview with you at SHOT Show 2016. Yes, you go to SHOT Show. Mm -hmm. I guess that's where you scope out all your new guns. <laughs> yeah, I, that that year actually, I was doing a thing with JP Enterprises because right. uh, JP JP did a uh, uh, a rifle 
um, mm-hmm. that was going to be in one of my books. And so right. I had a custom gun that belonged to one of the characters. And right. so JP just made the rifle. Mm-hmm. And so they saw, you can still get that. It's called the JP Enterprises Cazador. It's, uh, I, I, I grabbed one here. Yeah, let's take a look <laughs> at it. Because, uh, and, I, and I believe that has the Monster Hunter International logo on it, or you can request it, right? One of those? Uh, yeah, they have the uh, Monster Hunter International logo. Look at that. That's or beautiful. The, uh, or the MCB logo. Uh, and also, it's, it's cleared just because I know people on the internet always freak out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, That's the a beautiful gun, man. <laughs> I oh, that. I love this thing. Yeah, I actually used good. this at a Blue Steel, uh, Blue Steel Ranch uh, training class in uh, New Mexico. Okay. And uh, I, so I did the 1,000-yard uh, precision rifle class down there. This was the rifle I used for it. Mm-hmm. It was a hoot. Got a, a AAC can on here, U.S. optic scope. Uh, this thing okay. is this thing is it shoots way 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 better than I do. Yeah, AAC are they also in Utah or? Uh oh no wait that's not no. AAC I'm sorry this is Silencer Co. My bad. Oh that's Silencer Co. Okay okay yeah I, oh, I own, yeah, yeah, I I own t- too many I own too many suppressors. Yeah too many cans. <laughs> no well yeah it looks from you know does is it just Silencer Co. that does that right there on the muzzle of the suppressor on the front end? They, that's kind yeah, of I think, sick yeah. I think so and then like my next my next can is going to be a dead air. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, I I I like quiet guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cans on everything. Cans on everything. That's what I believe in. Yeah. Um. And I'm just gonna run. If you guys search on on YouTube and you go back, there's uh, some good videos with Larry out there. But from six years ago on Hank Strange YouTube slash Hank Strange, you're gonna see that. Look at that. Look at that. Uh. That's a skinnier version of me <laughs> with a pattern in my head that I used to do back in the days. And that's us. I was a lot grayer. I'm a a lot grayer now. I'm a lot. I had a. I still. I hadn't gone gray yet. (laughs) Yeah, the beard is. uh, You know, is growing in more. (laughs) The tactical beard. (laughs) Yeah, my tactical beard is definitely now. It's it's uh it's now snow camo. Right. (laughs) Uh, Rifter says JP Rifles make some awesome hardware. So they are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, JP Rifles, man, they just, they do a lot of really cool stuff out there. And, they uh, shoot, they shoot so much better than I do. Uh, I mean, I shoot a lot, but precision rifle is my worst area. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not a good, I'm not a good precision rifle guy. I, uh, I, I, I suck at, um, at reading wind. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but no, this, this rifle shoots far better than I do. Yeah, I think, you know, like, shooting long distance and stuff like that is the most cathartic. It's almost like yoga or something like that for gun guys, right? You really have to concentrate and focus, and you, you got to know math, which never, you know, I'm not that good. I like things, I like stuff where everything's in the reticle. I don't have any big optics in front of me, but I like where everything is in that reticle, and all I have to do is understand patterns. yeah. If, yeah. I, if I'm shooting under, you know, 500 yards, then it's pretty easy, pretty straightforward, mm-hmm. depending on the reticle you're, mm-hmm. you're using. But when you get out past that, it gets, it gets kind of crazy. Yeah. What's the, <laughs> furthest, start, what's the furthest you've shot, Larry, so far? Uh, the, furthest I've, the furthest I've ever hit a target is 1,200. Okay. Um, and, mm-hmm. that was, and that was at Blue Steel Ranch in New Mexico. Okay. Um, and only because I had a really good spotter. Uh, shout out to Dave Bridges, my, my, mm-hmm. who's my spotter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave's a good friend of mine. And he got kind of hosed in this class because, you know, I spotted for him and he spotted mm-hmm. for me. 
Mm-hmm. And he was a far better spotter. And then actually I came home and got glasses not too long after this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the furthest I've done is a mile, but that was with a whole bunch wow. of people telling me what to do. Yeah, that's, and that's a long ways. Yeah, and that taking several shots. Yeah, yeah. But I, I can't really take credit for that because if you really want to be able to do that, you know, it takes a lot of concentration. It's a fun thing. Rifter wants to know if you've ever done the, uh, did you ever shoot the MGM Iron Man 3 gun? I did, yeah. I loved MGM Iron I shot that a couple years. Uh, I, I still, I'm, I, I'm friends with Travis Gibson uh, from MGM. And uh, yeah, no, I, I shot that. I um, That was a fun match. I was there uh, the year that they did the zip line. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh where we where we shot from a zip line and uh, I, I did that and <laughs> I was scared to death uh-huh. in the in the in the pictures because you know you're you're going down this zip line you, you start on this giant tower and you and you okay. go off and there's it's a pistol stage and you got your handgun and I was shooting a Sig two two six tactical okay. at the time um, uh-huh. and because that was the one that I had the most mags for because that's all high round count match mm-hmm. and uh, there's targets directly below you and on the side of you and in the picture my legs are spread like super wide because mm-hmm. i was so worried i was going to shoot myself in the foot <laughs> wow okay and you're you're going like 40 miles an hour down the zip line i don't know how fast it was but it's crazy yeah i think um, i uh let me see i think i pulled up a video not necessarily is it is this the same place no this is blade city it says this place lets you shoot from a zip line it, it yeah, yeah it's nuts yeah yeah the iron man oh, the iron go. man is a great crazy match Let's see if we can get that to show up. What it's like shooting from a zip line. Yep. Oh my oh, gosh. Oh no, that's crazy. <laughs> okay. It's so nuts. Oh, that's going so fast. <laughs> yeah. So and, was it, it was, was like ho- that? I was hosing. Okay. Yeah, it was like that. And then there was there was one directly below you, and then there was one there was a big array at the end that like once okay. you came into a stop, you'd hit some more. And mm-hmm. it was the funny thing is is like um so I had I had my two two six and I had my spare mags up, up here mm-hmm. in front where I wear my spare pistol mags and, and they put me in this harness and the guy doing the harness was a Navy seal, you know, mm-hmm. so he knew what he was doing on harnesses and he's like, don't worry, this is, you know, I, I, I haven't killed anybody yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it felt, it felt like I had everything right. And then I stepped off the platform. What happens is the harness snaps up and all this, all your weights on it yeah. and it smushed my magazines, my spare magazines back into my body, into my uh, gut. Right. right. And went to reload. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like tugging and tugging and tugging and couldn't see my spare man. It's like giving tugging. your own self a wedgie. <laughs> it was. It wasn't so bad. And so the last yeah. couple targets were spared. I did not. Yeah, they were mm. safe. Mm. I think I would want to do that with a machine gun, like a machine gun pistol, you know? Yeah, uh, it was nuts. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, the, Iron Man, the Iron Man is the match where you will shoot, I, I can't remember the round counts now, but it's something like a thousand rounds if you don't mm-hmm. miss. Um, mm-hmm. And, and the, the field courses are long. Like, they're long stages. Like, and it's up in uh, Idaho, and, and, and when you do it, it's fairly hot and dusty, and boy, you just get so tired by the end of these stages. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had stages where you had to breach a door with a battering ram, and then they would have a pop-up target would run at you, and... Mm-hmm. Um, there were stages doing rifle beneath cars, you know, and you're in the dust, and, and, okay. and you discover how much dust your muzzle brake kicks up. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. So I, it's a, I it's a, it, was, it was fun. Yeah. 
Uh, I definitely want to give a shout out to my brother, Anonymous Strange. I think I told you about him way back. I don't know whether you remember that or not. But that's who introduced me to Larry Carrillo. So we're both gun guys, you know, and we're also very, you know, our whole lives we, we've like read and stuff like that. Nowadays I do more audio books. But uh, when we got into the gun thing, my brother encouraged me to do YouTube. And, um, you know, when we got into it, he was like, man, I discovered this this guy that writes fantasy novels that's the kind of stuff we're into and he's a gun guy it's for real gun action in there real gun handling you know real second amendment person and all that kind of stuff so big shout out to him and there are gun guys out there that still read you know i know Big a lot of, yeah <laughs> yeah i know a lot of people even though i just said i listen to mostly stuff on audiobook but there's a, I don't know if you've ever heard of Sam Andrews. He makes leather holsters. Andrews, a holster? Uh, yeah, Andrews Custom Leather. He makes holsters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you ever need a holster, that's the guy to go to. And if you tell him you know Hank Strange, he's going he's gonna to look out for you. He's been making <laughs> holsters for 40 years. He, uh, he, did, he does a lot of movie holsters as well nowadays. Like he did all the holsters in the movie, uh, the, the remake of Magnificent Seven. Oh, cool. Yeah, he does a lot of that stuff. But at his place, when I was out there the last, I do videos with him on YouTube to show how he makes holsters. And when I was there, he actually reads books, Larry, because <laughs> he doesn't know, he doesn't really understand the internet and technology. Well, God bless him for buying books. <laughs> yeah, so he actually reads books, and he had this over there. He's a big fan of yours. He reads all your stuff, and he was like, "Oh, you can show him this book that gun guys still read." actual books what th these are words for people out there who don't know <laughs> these are words here in these books <laughs> hey well don't get me wrong i love audiobooks too uh like about a third of my business is audiobook about a third of my business is physical books and about a third of my business is ebooks oh, okay. so i always tell people whatever makes you happy uh mm -hmm. that's that's how you should read it like whatever mm -hmm. whatever style you enjoy as i'm just here to tell stories man so yeah. i'm i'm not a purist <laughs> I listen to a lot of audiobooks myself. Yeah, it's easier to listen to audiobooks and do, you know, when you, when you start getting really busy, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's just easier to listen to audiobooks. I especially like to do it when I'm driving. It's just a lot of fun. I uh, I paint miniatures. I'm a nerd. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm a geek. So I paint mm -hmm. miniatures and I listen to audiobooks. And plus, the advantage of audiobooks for me is, as a writer, my brain is reading all day mm -hmm. my own stuff. And so if I read other people's books, then all of a sudden my brain starts to edit Yes. Uh, so even if the book is good, I'm all like, oh, wow, that's clever. I see what you did there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then if the book is not good, I start, my brain starts fixing it right, uh, and moving right. words around. Mm -hmm. And which is not, that's not conducive for a fun reading experience, you know? Yeah, that's a lot of creative people do that. I do that too. I do that while I'm listening to audiobooks, even. <laughs> but yeah, the audio, though, I'm, I'm unlucky because I, mm -hmm. I, I, can, I can't stop it and think about it. It just keeps yeah. going. So I, I have to get sucked along. Yeah, it's easy really to plug narrators. in. Yeah, it's, I, I love audio. Yeah, I was gonna say that it's easy to plug in. You have really good narrators. They, uh, um, there's one guy that does most of your stuff. Well, he, I know he did a lot of the Monster Hunter. Um, Oliver Wyman. Yeah, Oliver Wyman. He's great. He's fantastic. Oh, he is awesome. Yeah, yeah, he is fantastic. And just to show you the creds here, I'm gonna pull up. You know, this is this is Audible. Now, um, I I don't have the, some of the stuff that's come out recently. I don't have Gunrunners in my library because I'm going to be listening to that. But here's all the Monster Hunter International stuff in the library, in the library. 
in the library. Nice. You know, um, so, and I'm trying to find, <coughs> there's, there's some short stories you did as well, uh, Dead Six. My brother really likes the uh, Dead Six stuff. Oh, A oh, Murder of cool. Manatees. I like the, uh, is it Tom Stranger, I want to say? Yeah, Tom Stranger with, uh, uh, narrated by Adam Baldwin. Adam uh, Baldwin. Not he is awesome. Not a Baldwin brother, Adam Baldwin. Nope, brother. nope, nope. And he actually, this Adam knows how to handle guns, <laughs> right? Unlike, unlike the other ones. I mean, he actually knows how to handle firearms. Yes, so Adam's a stud. He's a great dude. Fantastic, um, fantastic. Yeah, and yeah, he he, you know, pretty famous actor, and, and right. uh, now I've got him doing manatee noises on a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, yeah, Adam he, Adam Baldwin's the guy who was in Firefly. For anyone who, yep. um, you know, if you, I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there who know Firefly. So that guy's Adam Baldwin. And the weird things, I really recommend people listen to these short stories. I listen to, because to, you got a bunch of them now. Is it like three mm -hmm. or four of them that are out? Uh, we bundled, I think four of them, and we bundled them all together into one audiobook called mm -hmm. Number One in Customer Service. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a hoot. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's really good stuff, and it's um, there's a lot of comedy in there. There's, um, you know, it's like uh, alternate dimensions and stuff like that, you know. It, it, just a lot of good stuff in there. I don't like it just because it has Stranger in it, you know, and I'm Hank Stranger. <laughs> but Adam Baldwin's reading it. He's actually the subject. He's one of the characters in the story. It's mind-bending, yep. this thing. Yeah. yeah, so I added the narrator as a character, only he's the president of the United States in one dimension. Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, from, from and his political party was the Libertarian Space Cowboy Alliance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How, but so you obviously wrote this first, and then you got Adam Baldwin to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually, cause I, I knew Adam a little bit. We we mm -hmm. we we done some stuff together on the internet, uh, and he's a great guy, very very intelligent guy, super mm -hmm. articulate, and. Mm -hmm. um, so I wrote this really silly story, and I put him in as, a, as the president of the United States in it because he, well, you know, he's a politically minded actor, and he's, mm -hmm. he's not a liberal. And so I put him on there, and, uh, and then so Audible wanted to make this story, so they approached Adam Baldwin and said, would you narrate this story? And it's the, it's the wackiest thing ever. And he, told, he went for it, and he yeah. did it, even though he's a character in it. He thought it was a hit. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. This yeah. has to be, you know, we're going to get into all of this stuff here as we talk about this but this has got to wind up being like a tv show or cartoon or something like that we, we almost actually got a cartoon uh we almost really? got a tv show of tom stranger at one point that deal fell through mm -hmm. um hollywood's weird and what killed us was actually they said well rick and morty is about multiple dimensions so it'll be seen as derivative uh, which is funny i've never watched a single episode oh, no? of rick and morty no you haven't okay. <laughs> i have no idea yeah. And uh, so mm -hmm. the, 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 that's what kind of killed us when we were chopping that around. Oh. Hollywood, Hollywood's nuts, though. So I've optioned yeah. a couple things for, for TV shows. Uh, Hard Magic and uh, Monster Hunter have both been optioned. Okay, Are they, but they, uh, nothing's come out yet, right? <clears throat> yeah, neither, not, nothing's been made yet. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing, nothing's been made. They're just under options, which basically I, I, I get money for nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey. Well, you you put the work in. You put the work in. If they want to have the rights to your to your movie for a certain amount of time, they gotta pay yep. for it. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, and so so I get I get I get a certain amount of money every year, and they hold mm -hmm. on to it, and it's, and they'll put it in development, and it'll be out of development. That's weird. It's whatever. It's 
Mm-hmm. Um, Monster Hunter is at a company called Entertainment One, and um, uh, Grim, uh, Hard Magic is at um, Radar Pictures. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, and Rick and Morty, I, I am, I was a fan. Actually, I think I'm still a fan of the first Rick and Morty. The first couple of series are actually pretty good, but they lost those original writers, and so it's not as good as getting more SJW and and all that kind of stuff in there. But I think these stories are different enough that you know, lots of people are doing different dimensions and all that nowadays. So yeah, it's been a it's been a thing and it's been a thing in sci-fi forever. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. But oh well. It's- it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things is we got like less than a minute here. I, I really like this story, man. I just like the ridiculousness of the whole thing. And that's just always a fun listen in my mind. You know, your stuff is always, I think, has an element of funny in it. But, you know, there's some more serious, very dramatic things that happen. This is just fun stuff. Yeah, I'm all over the board. I'm a multi-genre kind of guy. I do some serious stuff. I do some dark stuff. I, I do funny comedy stuff, and I, I, do, I do comedy in my serious stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm i just a sucker for, I'm just, I, I get bored if I did the same thing all the time. Yeah, I think that's just, uh, you know, how creative people are. It's just like, like you were saying, when I listen to music, I rewrite the songs. That's yeah. just a, or I start writing other songs. So we're going to um, actually take a quick break here, and we're going to come right back, and we're going to keep talking to Larry Correa. Let's do this. Walther Arms has been making concealed carry handguns for over 90 years, starting with the PPK. Today, Walther is based in the good old US of A and still builds quality firearms like the PPQ and PDP for personal defense and competition. So when you're in the market, please consider Walther Arms. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like Walther Arms. All right, so let me just take an opportunity here to get in some uh, questions or comments from the folks that are hanging out with us in the chat. You guys can also go to um, you can go to our Discord. Let me see if I can pull it up here. And uh, if you if you want to put things where live where you know I, I'll throw up the Discord here in a second. Lola actually put a link. If you're listening and you're not part of the Discord, you can join it. That's in the chat here on Utreon. Night Train says, I hope he didn't do holsters for Alec Baldwin's movie Disaster Rust, talking about Sam Andrews. And the answer to that, funny enough, is yes, he did do holsters. <laughs> but uh, and, and he's and when when I spoke to Sam about that, he told me he'll probably never get those holsters back because they're all part of evidence and all the stuff that's going on there. But he did do the holsters for that movie. So um you know, un- unfortunately, what that do you think? Sucks. What do you think about that, Larry? I'm very interested to get your take on this whole Alec Baldwin thing and Rust. I know it's been out there for a while. Yeah, I mean, as a gun safety guy, I mean, I'm I'm very much for rules to the core, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's just how it is. Well, I mean, but but filming a movie is a different world, and they got to get the different angles, and sometimes they're going to be pointing guns at themselves. But they have these very specific rules to negate. Uh, to make that, you know, to negate problems. And mm-hmm. they didn't obey any of them as far as what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like the armorer was not present when they were doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had live ammo on stage. They'd been planking earlier. That's just a nightmare. It's just amateur hour nightmare. Um, yeah. But I, I'm not a movie guy. I mean, my gun store, uh, we, we did, we, we built some props, but uh, 
I, I, I have never been a gun wrangler for, for movie stuff. I have no idea how that works, what the process is. But it's, from what I've seen, it just looks like a total train wreck. And then, you know, Alec Baldwin as a human being is a train wreck, mm-hmm. uh, which, which doesn't Nuts. happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my Crazy. knee-jerk reaction <laughs> as a gun guy who's been, mm-hmm. you know, he slanders our culture continuously and right. mocks us and belittles us. My, my my initial my initial reaction is just say the guy's a uh, you know he's a jerk and it's probably entirely his fault, but I don't know. Uh, yeah. you know I don't. It's, I don't it know sucks the fact. that someone it sucks that someone got really hurt and someone died uh, behind yep. all of that. And um, you know I'm a creative person. You're a creative person. When we looked at uh, when we look at other crafts out there, I, and I think the movies is a business that's always interesting to folks like us. Um, you know, you don't want to see these things go on, but yes, the, you know, the folks like Alec Baldwin are always out there putting down gun guys. Um, and at the same time, you know, I, I, I don't want to say ironically, but ironically, I guess for lack of better words, you know, he winds up in a situation like this for not following safety rules. So, yeah. And the, and he's such a, and the guy, the, he comes off and like I said, I, this is just me guessing cause I don't, I don't mm-hmm. have any facts on this. Mm-hmm. He's such a, such a know-it-all narcissist. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like he, he, no one can tell him what to do. He's the expert. He's the, he's the super genius. He knows everything. Mm-hmm. You know, having been a firearms instructor, guys like that are the most dangerous thing on the range. Yeah. Um, you always you say, that, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, when you get that dude with the chip on his shoulder, like you can't teach him anything because he knows everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's all big boy rules and he's going to do what he wants. And that dude is a he's just a disaster waiting to happen. And I, Alec mm-hmm. Baldwin, uh, I get that vibe off him as a person. And yeah. so I would imagine even if you are the gun wrangler, he's probably going to be telling you how to do your job. Yeah. And he was a producer of this movie. So even if he doesn't uh, catch charges directly, he is responsible as a producer for what goes on. There's a, you know, there's a whole string of things that went wrong here. So I don't think it's a hundred percent him, but ultimately it comes down to you and you know, me being a YouTuber doing gun stuff, we've got live ammo all the time in the guns, you know, and that is something that we worry about. And we, you know, maybe people don't see it in our videos, but we take a lot of time to think about all that. And if I'm in a situation where people aren't being safe, I get out of that situation. Or if it's something I'm in control of, I stop it. Yeah, you know? life is too short to hang out with dangerous people. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Let me see. Um, I'm trying to um, see if there's any other comments in here that I'm, uh, that I'm missing. Uh, okay, I think, I think we're good. If you guys have any questions or anything like that, let us know. And, um, and we'll get it out to Larry Correa. Um, now I forgot where was the, where was, oh, we were talking, what were we talking about? The, the books. So do you want to tell the folks out there, you know, I know you've, you've talked about this a lot, right? But for the gun guys, I want gun folks to understand why they should, you know, seek out your books. How did you start, you know, how did you get into writing? What was the first stories that you wrote? Sure. Uh, so I've been a writer ever since I was a little kid. I've always been a storyteller and I grew up poor in the middle of nowhere. And so there was nothing to do but read library books. And, uh, I wrote my first book in college. It sucked. And then I went and had a career and, uh, it was actually while I owned a gun store that I wrote my first book, which was monster or my first published book. That was monster hunter international. 
And uh, where that came from was actually back in the olden days. You remember there was an internet forum called the Firing Line. Um, yeah, that's going to be the way olden days. <laughs> way olden days. That's how, I'm dating myself here. That's how old I am. Yeah. And on the Firing Line, one day we were just joking about how horror movies would be so much shorter if they starred our people, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they'd mm-hmm. they'd be over in a matter of minutes. The bad guy mm-hmm. gets blasted and roll credits. Right. And uh, so we we're joking sure. about this, and this one guy, mm-hmm. Ian McMurtry, who's a he's a he's a he's a writer now too, uh, but Ian uh, started a thread called lines I'd like to hear in a horror movie someday. And it was all just gun nuts, you know, talking smack about movie monster type stuff. And I, I loved it. It, I, it really, it really hit me. And I, I decided I want to write, I want to write this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and there was actually a line from uh, this one guy named Dillis Freeman who said, um, you know, the difference between me and you is you look out there and see a horde of evil brain eating zombies I look out there and see a target-rich environment. And that made me laugh my ass off. And so mm-hmm. actually that's the quote that I opened the first book with. I was Monster Hunter opens it. And uh, mm-hmm. this is back in 2007, uh, or that I, was, that, I, that I first self-published it. So I started writing this about 2006, five, And um, self-published it. it, it blew up huge. And so my mm-hmm. first book I sold, uh, this is back before self-publishing got normal mm-hmm. and uh, common. And I sold it primarily on internet gun forums, uh, and I sold tons of them, and it did really good. It was actually a bestseller off of uh, off of that, and I got picked up by uh, Bay and Books. And the reason I got picked up by Bay and Books was there's this bookstore in Minneapolis called Uncle Hugo's, and mm-hmm. Uncle Hugo's uh, loved my stuff and sent it over to the publisher at Bay and said, "This stuff is perfect for you. Uh, I could sell the hell out of it." Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of um, – while, while you're talking here, I'm just throwing up some of the books. So I think that was – so your first your first yep. book that w- went out there was Monster Hunter with yeah, the – Yeah, Monster Hunter, yep. Yeah, with the uh, – where, where you – there was a character. This is be- a better way to put it. That was an accountant, <laughs> you know, and then got attacked by I, – I love the Monster Hunter stories because it's based on B-movie monsters – and I'm always telling people that B movie monsters do really exist in real life. They do. And it, it, hear me out on this. I think we have people out there that are werewolves. You know, they're one person and then they flip on you and become another person. We've got vampires, right? We've got all those B, you know, you got Frankensteins, all these folks out there. But that's what your that's what your story was about. Yeah, I just wanted to take. Basically, all the every monster movie trope there's ever been, and throw them into a world full of a bunch of gun nuts who hunt monsters for fun and profit, and uh, it blew up huge. It was a huge success. The first book came out and uh, uh, from Bayon, and it, people went nuts. It was a, it was a giant success. Uh, we reprinted it a whole bunch of times and kept selling them. Uh, they bought sequels from me, and I'm now at uh, eight books in that series with three spinoffs and a uh, short story collection. And yeah. more coming. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's gotten it's, deep. It's, it's gotten deep. Yeah, yeah, it's gotten deep. If you want to get lost in some books, uh, I, I think this this would be a great thing. So, for what if there's folks out there that are interested in writing? Uh, really, this is a question for me. This is what I've always wanted to do. Actually, I always told myself when oh, I got cool. old, which I'm old now, I'm gonna I'm gonna write. I'm a creative person. Uh, you know, I, I like to do. Uh, I'm into m- making movies. I'm into 3D animation, all that kind of stuff. So how 
if you were talking to folks like me that wanted to get into this for the first time with everything that you've known for what you've done over the years, how would you advise someone to go about that? That's a good question because actually uh, me and a buddy of mine, his name's Steve Diamond. He's another writer. Uh, last year, we started a podcast called Writer Dojo. Uh, you know, just uh, one word, Writer Dojo. It's, it's wherever podcasts are. And it's just a weekly show where Steve and I talk about creative writing advice uh, okay. uh, business-wise. And, uh, you know, so we've got a year's worth of episodes now and all sorts of different topics. My, so check that out. I, I think that's we, it's actually been helping. From what I've seen, it's actually been helping a lot of people. And yeah. I, I've taught creative writing classes before, too. So it's the same. I put all that kind of stuff in there. But we also get nitty-gritty nuts and bolts of how to publish and how I'll do that stuff. Is it get, this right here, Writer on. Dojo? Yep. Okay. Yep, that's us. Okay. Cool. Um, you know, but it's, it's been pretty helpful for a lot of people. And we got a mm-hmm. Facebook group um, uh, for people to ask questions and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, there's Steve. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, it's been going really good, giving a lot of good advice. So check that out. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully that helps. Um, right. we, it, we've actually got a lot of people that we've helped out. It's been kind of kind of cool. There were other writing advice things out there, but over the last few years, they tended to get kind of woke and um, mm-hmm. angsty, and they were more worried about telling you what you can't do than what you can't. Right. And I'm the opposite. I'm all about making art. I'm all about artists make art. You mm-hmm. go out there and you tell stories and you entertain people and you have fun and don't worry about the haters. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Ritter says, I'm on channel 18 of Monster Hunter International. Nemesis. I'm loving it. I listened to Tom Stranger before that and Red Saga of the Forgotten Warrior before that. I love the writing cool. style. Yeah. You know, you're you're going to be prolific, man. You're going to be up there. Uh you know, you you might take over L. Ron Hubbard from putting out books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm at I don't know how you feel about right that. Now. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, you know. Well, but. I'm going to write until I die. Uh, that's <laughs> right. my plan. I mean, I'll, I'm never going to retire. Let's be uh-huh. honest. Uh, I'm uh-huh. not a retired kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But I've got 25 novels right now and a couple collections of short fiction, and I've mm-hmm. edited some anthologies. Mm-hmm. I, I I do about two books a year. Mm-hmm. Is what I do. Okay. It's about my comp- two books a year and a few a handful of shorts and novellas, and like uh, like we were mentioning audiobooks earlier, but I've got a series of novellas on there called Lost Planet Homicide, which are kind of like gritty, yeah, space cop. <laughs> in, oh, okay. It's Boston space. Oh, know? okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I got Saga: The Forgotten Warrior. You mentioned the first one, Son of the Black Sword. That's my epic fantasy series. Mm-hmm. I love that one. Mm-hmm. The next one's coming out in April. I've got. Uh, the Hard Magic of the Grimnor Chronicles are a 1930s alternate history um, mm-hmm. superheroes. It's, uh, those are a lot of fun. Yeah. I've got my last book that came out is, uh, oh, I got a copy. Yeah. Uh, Servants of War. And that's what, Steve, is, that's what Steve Diamond. Yeah, so this is the guy I host a podcast with. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did, <clears throat> we did Servants of War, and it's uh, basically uh, dark fantasy World War One. Uh, okay. It's kind of what it is, and it's 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 the it's the darkest book I've ever written because got, he's yeah, a horror writer. Be. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So teaming up with a horror guy made for a dark book. Yeah, but like you had Gunrunner earlier that I did that with John Brown. That's a big sci- epic adventure sci-fi uh, novel. Mm-hmm. So I'm all over the board. I like to do all sorts of different stuff. Yeah, I think the um, what was it? The uh, saga of the Forgotten Warrior. That was. I don't want to say. You could tell me if I'm wrong here, right? 
it's a little bit in the realm of Brandon Sanderson, maybe, but you know, from from like your point of view, I think. Is yeah, that, it's that same mm-hmm. genre. Yeah, that it's, same uh, genre. Yeah, it's uh, so it's big epic fantasy, you know. So you, epic fantasy usually you got kind of like a big sweeping plot, big fantasy world, a lot of very magic. deep. Yeah, 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 very and deep so, stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's actually probably of my series. That's probably the most serious one, right. mm-hmm. I guess I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also the one that uh, that's the one that I've won a bunch of awards for yeah. and got like critical acclaim. That's the only thing I've ever done that I've got critical acclaim. Everything else I do, like the critics just hate me. Yeah. Well, because you know, I think so. So your other stuff to me is fun, and and I really enjoy that. Right? It's fun. Oh, critics, kinda, critics yeah. hate fun. Yeah, exactly. But this was deep. You know, this was deep. Like I said, you know, in in as deep as like Brandon Sanderson gets for anyone who knows out there. But yep. still, you. But still, you. You know, I can still see your your philosophy, your ideas, all the kind of stuff that you know we're kind of like simpatico on. It's still weaved in there, and it's done so well. It doesn't overwhelm you if that makes any sense yeah there's a lot of i mean i'm I'm one of those guys like i i entertain i try to entertain more than preach but i can't help it i get a lot of themes of like uh freedom uh personal responsibility just like um people people being able to decide from themselves what they're Mm going to do with their lives uh a lot of times the bad guys in my books are the authoritarians the statists the Mm-hmm. The control freaks, the totalitarians. Uh, so I can't, I can't help it. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a liberty loving kind of guy. Yeah, it's just you. It's who you are. Um, so let me say, let's see this. DCG forty four says added to Amazon wish list, so I can uh, dive deeper after the show. If anyone's interested in doing that, in the description of this video here on Utreon, Lola has links to all of Larry Correa's works. As well as uh, the the pre-order for the for the new nonfiction thing that's coming out, which we're going to talk about here uh, in a, in a little while. So um, you know what I was going to say to you is I, I wish that I could see more of your stuff get out there, you know, in movies and things like that. And um, I know I was looking at uh, I think a podcast you did not too long ago, a couple of months ago, and you were talking about. How, you know, there's people complaining that there's not uh, more, you know, conser- I, I don't know what's the best way to put it, right? Like conservative, libertarian, folks who think like us, there's not more folks like us in mainstream stuff that's going on. And I think you have some opinions, some strong opinions on this. Yeah, that's a, that's something I talk about a lot because I really was one of the first, uh, not the first, but I was one of the first writers of uh, that was really open about who I was and what I believed in with beliefs other than liberal. Uh, because the publishing industry, Manhattan is, uh, it's like 99% in Manhattan and everybody knows each other. They're all in the same bubble. They all go to the same parties. They all went to the same schools. They all vote the same way. They think the same way. And uh, a guy like me, I was like this crazy, wild, red state Republican, right? I mean, the, so as soon as my first book came out, they all knew that it was uh, it was published by a guy who owns a machine gun store. Mm-hmm. Right. So right out the gate, <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, what more could I you mean, ask for? <laughs> uh, there's actually a ton. There's actually mm-hmm. a ton of good authors out there that are conservative or libertarian mm-hmm. or even just moderate now, uh, but they they keep their heads down and they stay quiet out of fear uh, because the industry will blackball you. They'll 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 sabotage your career. 
they'll uh, they'll screw you over. They'll treat you like dirt. They'll they'll they're 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 not good people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've seen the same thing in comic books. We've seen the same thing in video games. We've seen the same thing in role playing games, tabletop games. Uh, it's all over the board. All these create Hollywood definitely. Mm-hmm. All these creative endeavors where people with the wrong politics kind of get blackballed or screwed or shoved to the side, marginalized. And you know what? Honestly, in the old days when they had the gatekeepers and they were the only people that could get away with this, they, they got away with it. But now there's so many different avenues, thanks to the Internet, thanks to crowdfunding, uh, independent publishing. It's opened up a whole new world. So all of a sudden, a bunch of writers that used to have to stay quiet don't have to stay quiet anymore. Um, and I think it's awesome. For a, yeah. for a long time there, it was really lonely. <laughs> well, you know, so the funny thing that I've found is that the, the, I guess the woke creatives out there, if you look at the stuff that they're putting out, it's just sickening. Now, I think we've had uh, creative folks out there trying to push an agenda you know, maybe trying to push an, uh, a liberal or ultra-liberal agenda for a long time. But there was still creativity. They still weave things in there. But now they're very blatant, right? It's it's just, it, I mean, it's just hitting you in the face. You're looking at movies nowadays or TV shows, and you're just getting smacked in the face every time with it that you could see it. There's They are yeah, not they're... really creative. That's the, the big problem that's going on. Yeah, they go out of their way to insult their audience, and then when people don't like it, because people don't, uh, consumers don't like getting insulted by their entertainment products, then they go, oh, well, people didn't like it because they're racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, whatever it is. They just pick something, and that's why people didn't like it. It wasn't that it wasn't you know, good, or it was mm-hmm. poorly written, or just not fun or entertaining, but that, it's, just, it's become a shield for people to hide behind for poor quality work. Yeah. You know, uh, we're about to take a a quick break here, but I really do want to come back and talk about this. Um, You know, we should have our own ecosystem. I want to expand on that a little bit. So let's take this quick break and we'll be right back. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like High Point Firearms and Full Forge Gear, bags and gear for everyday life. Did you know High Point is an American family-owned and operated company located in Ohio with over 30 years of manufacturing experience? High Point is proud to be the home of the working man's gun and your source for affordable handguns and carbines with a lifetime warranty. So when you're in the market, please consider Hype. All right. So just to expand on what I was saying there, because sometimes when I say we need to have our own ecosystem, people get mad. They're like, what are you talking about? Is that like save the planet? <laughs> but we, I really yeah. do believe, I've been saying this for a long time, that we need to have, basically that's from economic system. We need to have our own ways to fund movies, uh, fund all the creative things we want to see instead of just complaining about, for example, what's happening at Disney, what's happening at this corporation, that corporation, what's happening with music, what's happening with makeup. Uh, There's some things going on. I was having a discussion with Lola about makeup, and this has been ongoing for a long time. I've noticed now that um, there's more women looking like trans men out there. So actual women, but they're looking like, you know, like they're like uh, in drag because they're following men putting on makeup. So I can, you know, you see women at work, for example, and they're, they're, you're like, wait a second, is this a dude? Because there's like too much. 
you know, and there's just things constantly going out there in society where we don't have our own ecosystem. So instead of buying makeup from people trying to push things on us or buying clothing or going to the movies or video games, you know, we need to do that ourselves. And I know you've you've spoken about this, right? Uh, yeah, this is something I've talked a lot about a lot. And I think the key is that creators who aren't part of this woke mob, they need they need to promote each other. They need to support each other. Like uh, I've given a talk before that I've called rising tide lifts all boats. And, you know, we're all kind of in this together. And so as creatives, if we can help other creatives that are like-minded people and we can help them find fans, that's huge. Um, and and on, a, on, a, on a bigger side of things, like what you're talking about was like creating the whole ecosystem. We're starting to see that more and more. Uh, you got things like the Daily Wire uh, uh, filming movies now and mm -hmm. spending real money on production mm -hmm. and also doing stuff like not just movies, but kids shows, uh, mm -hmm. markets like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got all these different podcasters like yourself and, 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 and YouTube streamers who, I mean, YouTube is now turned into like this whole giant independent TV thing. It's just crazy. when it's people doing cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And and you got like you know GunTube. We, we we couldn't have GunTubers on regular TV. There's no way they just like they throw mm -hmm. you guys off in a heartbeat. Right. Well, so yeah. we're starting to see more and more. And, and it's funny though because YouTube then is a, another big corporation and it can lock you guys down and demonetizes mm -hmm. people all the time. And it does. But you're already, <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. But you're seeing people work around it. Like right mm -hmm. here, you got this going on in Utreon, so you can handle firearms live. Right. Or you got guys going over to to Rumble instead of YouTube. Yep. And you got all this stuff going on like that. Yep. Mm -hmm. See, I mean, we could, we can do this live here and have fun, you know? Yeah. And no one gets <laughs> hurt. No one gets hurt. The weird thing is YouTube the, did, YouTube stopped us from doing that because they were worried about people going live and committing like mass shooting atrocities. Well, it still happens because they went after the guys like myself and, 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 and you that we, we're not doing this to hurt anyone. Of course, we're being safe and thinking about what we're doing and we're professionals even, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's they like, don't that's care like about every, that. every set of gun laws always – some crazy guy does something bad, and who do they punish? The guys that had nothing to do with it. That's, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's funny. It makes and total so sense. And <laughs> doing the same thing. Yeah. Well, and I, I think we're going to see this expanding, and I think we're going to see this growing, uh, and it's going to be all, all over the board. It's stuff like right now there's a lot of talk in banking and credit card processing mm -hmm. because you're starting to see uh, banks being weaponized by political forces to screw over people with the wrong politics. We saw the Canadians do it. Uh, big mm -hmm. time last year with the trucker strike. Yeah, yeah, and that so was crazy. we'll see it here. Yeah, We've we're got seeing stuff it like now. UPS. Yeah, yeah, UPS right now is trying to do all these. They're trying to push through these goofy rules for FFLs, where FFLs yeah. would have to turn over their their records. Which, yeah, I saw that. That's I, nuts. And I'm an FFL. There's no way I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. insane. Yeah. And my, my guess on that is there's going to be some lawsuits because I can't see any way under uh, right to privacy, under Americans' right to privacy, that UPS would be able to see what a third-party vendor sold to ind private individuals. Yeah. UPS is not – first of all, I don't even think the ATF should exist, my personal opinion, right? Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> but, the, but UPS is not the ATF. So if there is a government body, the ATF dealing with that, there's the Constitution, where does UPS come in? Where does UPS yeah. come in? It's not their business. There's other things that they could that they could go pay attention to. You know, uh, FFLs yeah, like have not, not created not losing this my packages. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, UPS, they can, they can FedEx. Straighten that out first, <laughs> yeah. and then then start. You know. Yeah, we need our own shipping. We need our own shipping. There's there's lots of shippers that are refusing to ship things for gun manufacturers, you know. So yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's Mm -hmm. this death by a thousand cuts thing too. And Mm -hmm. honestly, this is something I talk about. We'll talk about about this more later. I know, but Mm -hmm. but that's one thing I talk about in the gun in the Second Amendment book is uh, is kind of this relentless culture war that's in all aspects of society, and it's just kind of this nonstop thing where they just keep endless barrage of death by a thousand cuts or they just keep coming at you and coming at you and it's like you know we we have to fight back in every way we can and it's funny because as we start to win on one type of thing Mm -hmm. they come and they change strategy and they hit us from another angle yeah so like right now we're actually we're we're doing really well Uh, as far as like historical gun rights and politics and stuff we're we're kicking butt yeah, I think people are waking up and starting to realize they have to do these things. It's going to take time to online our own ways of shipping, right? And it's yeah, going to take a, time that's to a huge logistical challenge, massive. Um, and it's going to take time to sue people as well. I think that's what the, these guys realize on the other side. The problem that I that I see is kind of like what I call conservative Hollywood. So what I'm what, and what I mean by that is there's conservatives out there, but they're concerned with being cool, you know, even with the Hollywood types and all that. And they're not really talking about these issues or when they do things. So, for example, it's like Truth Social, let's say, you know, that's started by Trump and all that. I'm on there. It's crazy. You know, uh, I, I it's not effective. It's not done in the right way. And it's, a to me, a massive echo chamber. Um, you know, it's the same thing. Like with uh, Kanye West recently, it, it came out that he's buying Parler. Parlor's crap. <laughs> you know, if he's gonna go, if he's gonna go buy into something, why would you buy Parlor? That's crap. We need to do better, and that's where I think we're that we're missing out because we're focusing on certain things that even folks on our side are getting sick and tired of hearing from conservative Hollywood. You know, if I look at news, I can I can only look at Fox News, but I can't even stand that because they're sticking to the oh, same thing. It's pretty terrible too. Yeah, it, they're sticking yeah. to the same things over and over again, and they're not really focusing on this stuff. It's actually interesting to me, too, because you talk about the, the, the Hollywood conservative. You see that all the time mm-hmm. where somebody will start talking about a topic, but then they'll get labeled as an extremist. Mm-hmm. Or like, ooh, that's crazy. How dare you talk about that? That's too far out there. How dare you? Mm-hmm. And then people will wimp out. And, and in order to placate people that hate them, <laughs> they'll mm-hmm. stop they'll stop talking about what needs to be talked about mm-hmm. and i think honestly all of us we need to pick the stuff that we're passionate about like you know guns gun, guns is my area of politics that's the that's the area i know the most about right i mean i know about other stuff but that's the one that i'm the expert on i, mean, I love that mm-hmm. stuff it's my life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and so by golly if if i i should go out there and i should be able to take my knowledge and my passion on that subject and apply it and so if you're a conservative uh, or anything other than liberal and you're passionate about some other topic, then by golly, you should be out there talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to see that we're seeing a lot of parents now, like like uh, one of the other topics is like the whole school thing um, with what kids are being taught in school. But you're seeing kids, uh, especially like you're in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, in Florida, Virginia, you got all these parents that like during COVID were paying attention for the first time what their kids are getting taught and they freaked out. Crazy and, stuff. Uh, yeah. And, and that's good, though, because you got these people that are actually passionate about that subject mm-hmm. and they know about and they learned about it and they're fighting for it. I think that's amazing. 
Yeah. And I, I think we just need to see that in every aspect of life. Pick the stuff that you know a lot about and go out there and fight for it and talk and, and be brave and sway people. Yeah. <clears throat> I think this is I, a lot I think, like, I think this is a lot like Alex Jones, right? You know, I, I don't agree <clears throat> with everything that Alex Jones says. I don't think we should all agree. But I think that we should at least let people say what they have to say. If you don't want to listen to it, don't listen to it. But it can't hurt you to listen to what people have to say and then evaluate for yourself whether or not there's merit in it. Once we shut down uh, people's conversations and their points of view, that's, that's how we wind up here. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not an Alex Jones fan at all. I think the guy's kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. He still has First Amendment rights. And so if, if he's charged with libel... If he's charged with libel and slander, he should still get a fair trial. And even if he's guilty of libel or slander uh, in a court of law, which I don't know, I didn't follow that case that close, there's no way in the world it should be a billion dollars. <laughs> Billy, one billion dollars. <laughs> I mean, you think about it, there's like literally mega corporations that throw toxic wastes in rivers and kill people and like like they have to evacuate cities. And they don't pay a billion dollars in fines. And because he questioned something, I don't agree with what Alex Jones was questioning, right? And some people do. Some people don't. But it's one of the things that he said. And if you look at a lot of stuff, I always tell people the things that he's saying, mostly, mostly, if they're not true now, some of those things we we find out later. Oh, wait a second. (laughs) Something like this actually happened or was going on. There's a lot of stuff like if you can't immediately shut down something as being I mean, like some of the stuff that just doesn't pass the. I'm, I'm a former auditor, you know, some mm-hmm. stuff just doesn't pass the smell test. It's just mm-hmm. crazy, you know, and some people still have the right to say that. That's fine. Um, but there's other stuff that like were were not as crazy conspiracy theories that turned mm-hmm. out to be true. Hunter Biden's laptop. I got kicked off the Internet for talking mm-hmm. about Hunter Biden's laptop right before the election. Mm-hmm. I got banned from everything. Right. Yeah, um, I saw and if, that. If you remember that, and it turned out that was 100% accurate and true. Right. Um, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff during COVID that people said that they got dismissed as wacky conspiracy theorists. You know, a year later, the CDC is like, oh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. sorry we silenced you, and yeah, sorry I mean, you were booted off of social media. Yeah, it's coming out now. I think um, I don't have the news. I could pull it up. But I, I believe that a Boston University came up with an even more potent form of COVID that's 80% stronger. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. And I'm like, why? What, yeah, that's what, what are you doing? That's what that's, Lola is a pharmacist. That was her first question. Like, why is this happening? <laughs> because these people I mean, are crazy. Here, let's see. More lethal strain of COVID created in Boston University lab researchers say. Uh, researchers at a Boston University say they have developed a new COVID strain that has an 80% kill rate following a series of similar experiments first thought to have started the global pandemic that began in China. (sighs) That makes sense. I mean, you know, and so this is the thing like about Alex Jones and all that kind of stuff. There's lots of people. Maybe Inquirer magazine shouldn't exist because they're talking about aliens. Oh, wait a second. I think we're admitting now somewhere in the government that there's UFOs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except, I mean, we got you got F-18 gum, gun camera footage of, of some really weird stuff. Right. 
You know, we yeah. have to allow this stuff to go on. I, and and I understand if the, like, let's say with what's happening with Alex Jones, that there's these parents who are really upset about it. I get that. But a billion dollars and deplatforming Alex Jones and us thinking that that's okay to deplatform Alex Jones just doesn't make any kind of sense. And the same people who would say, let's say we're talking about saving the planet and there's folks out there saying that, you know, people who think, hey, we don't need to be that crazy about saving the planet are denying science are the same people to say, oh, if you just put this mask on your face, you're, you're totally safe. Yeah, it's really interesting how the, uh, the, the whole fake news thing, disinformation thing goes one direction. Uh, you never see that somebody from CNN or MSNBC or NPR or the New York Times uh, is, is busted for disinformation. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're never censored. They can write whatever they want. doesn't matter how fake it is. I mean, you remember that we had four years of, of Donald Trump Russian collusion, oh, wow. which turned yeah. out to be utter and total crap, a completely fabricated lie for political yeah. purposes. The weird thing for, is they can't, they can't convict anyone. The second guy got off today. No, no conviction. Yeah. It's it, yeah. The Durham probe was the weakest bunch of crap. Yeah. Ever. I mean, it's, it's like, so you got a bunch of scumbags investigating other scumbags, giving mm -hmm. their scumbag buddies a pass. And America mm -hmm. watches all this. And we know what's going on. And, and so it's like anybody on the right can get busted for disinformation, even when it's not. Like I said, I can get kicked off the Internet for talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. Mm -hmm. Yet MSNBC can come and say that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. And, and, and so you to pay no attention to that before the election it's all fake. Mm -hmm. uh, where's their penalty for misinformation? Where's, the, where's their penalty for being fake news? There's there not. won't it, be one. No. This, yeah, no, the system is totally, completely rigged. Mm -hmm. So whatever somebody on the left needs to do to promote whatever the leftist stuff is at this time, they just get a pass. They can lie, they can lie their asses off and there's no penalty. I saw yeah. Gavin Newsom today from California, governor of California, piece of crap, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, had some tweet about how Red states, they, they say blue states are violent, but red states are the, or they say the Democrats aren't good on crime. But this is some kind of political, more violent. political judo. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, if you look at red states, they're, they're more violent if you look at the crime rate. Well, and the reason you get that is you have like Missouri has St. Louis in it. St. Louis is not exactly Trump town, okay? St. Louis no. is not deep red country. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's or you got New Orleans or you've got, it, it, you know, whatever it is, you've got a red state with a big blue city in it. And the big blue city has crazy crime in it. So who do they blame? Oh, we elected a Republican governor two years ago. So clearly it's the fault of the Republicans. Mm -hmm. And Gavin Newsom is like, dude, I mean, you were you were mayor of San Francisco. OK, mm -hmm. I, I grew up next to San Francisco. It used to be a nice city. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'm from the San Joaquin Valley. I'm from yeah. the other side of the mountains. Yeah, I used to be Wikipedia a, says you used to be a farmer. Is that true? I don't know if you oh, look yeah, at Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. I, I I grew up on a I grew up on a dairy farm in okay, uh, Alamo, cool. California. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, I, I milk cows most of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that, that's probably probably how I wound up the way I am. Is that's, uh, is that how you got the big bones? <laughs> Oh, dude! I drank a lot of milk. We had yeah. free. We had all you could drink milk, and uh -huh. all you could eat beef. <laughs> right, I'm telling you, that'll do it. <laughs> I mean, we were, and I, I still have like I still have really strong hands. I mean, yeah. when I was a kid, I could like you know, right. uh, 
crush stone with these, but not so much anymore. I'm old. Yeah. But I tell you, no matter what I've done in my life, it's been easier than milking cows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, farm (laughs) life is not easy. I live out in farm country uh, where I live here, and you see those signs, beef, it's what's for dinner. (laughs) That's what you see around here on the pickup trucks where I live. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Uh, never going to starve. Yeah, I, this will survive. This place will survive the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, I, I live. I live in the. I live in uh, the mountains of northern Utah now, but I live mm-hmm. in the farm country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm up in the mountains in a in a mountain valley, and it's all just farming and uh, a lot yeah. of beef cows and stuff. It's awesome. I I love I love living around a bunch of farmers. Yeah. So while, while practical people. Yes, absolutely, man. The you know um, country man. That's where it's. That's where it is. Get out of the cities. I don't know if you think there's going to be an apocalypse or not. I, I've, like, I've got friends that are fifty-fifty. Some people actually waiting, praying, hoping that there's an apocalypse, you know. And there's obviously, I think we're going to have a downturn. I think things are going to get rough. You can't do all this craziness in America, but I don't think it's end of days. Where, where are you on that? I don't know. That's so hard to predict. I think it, it depends on predicting the actions of really stupid people with a lot of power, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, our, our president's a, a demented sock puppet, so I'm not really, you know, <laughs> placing any bets on how it's going to shake out. Right, um, right. I hope for the best, prepare for the worst, mm-hmm. uh, would be what I'd say. I, I, I believe in having a stockpile of food, water, and ammunition. <laughs> yeah. America's a tough country to go to hell, I think, because I know people who think America's going to hell. And I have friends who are maybe getting out of America. But the thing I'll say is, look, America survived the Great Depression. And America is a breadbasket, you know, and it's a very diverse place. So not just because we're here, but I think that it just naturally it's set up to be one of those places that can bounce back easily. Are we going to have trouble? Sure. But that's, yeah, you know, that's the way of the world. I think I. I think if we do have a real, real downturn, like, like, and that could go a million different ways. And I, I don't want to talk about like, you know, revolution, which is possible, mm-hmm. but I would much rather live in the mountains of Northern Utah than in like Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. If, if yeah. stuff gets really weird. Yeah. Now, um, so you're in Utah. You've said that several times. Um, I love but, it out here. <laughs> yes. I, I, I go through Utah sometimes. I may, I may be going through there. I'm, I'm heading out to California to do some van stuff, uh, you know, later, like I think next week or something. Um, are you allowed to talk about Mitt Romney? What's your, what's Oh man, your... I hate that. I hate him so much. I, I cannot stand Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it, uh, yeah, and it, that guy is, my daughter refers to him as a Ziploc bag of hair gel in human form. Oh uh, boy! He, wow. He yeah. he is that spineless. Like the man has no vertebrae whatsoever. He talks about being a man of principle, but his principles are whatever he feels like at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't stand yeah. him. Yeah, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna come back and talk about that a little bit more. And the book. We're gonna get into the book. With Arms List, you can shop the extensive list of local and nationwide firearms classified. Now with more confidence because of their built-in firewall. For only $6.99 a month for personal use or $30 a month for business vendors. So when you're in the market, please consider Arms List. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Move My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like Arms List. Yeah, I, you know... To me, I feel like Mitt Romney's gotten worse and worse over the years. But I really think that Trump becoming president, just like 
triggered Mitt Romney so hardcore that he just lost whatever veil of sanity or conservatism or whatever it was he had, man. It just went away. Yeah, he's my senator, and you know, and I, I, and it bugged me because when he ran for president, it was against Barack Obama, who mm-hmm. you know hates guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I campaign, I campaign for Mitt Romney. I voted for uh, him. I voted for him. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. and and then he, uh, and then he became senator of Utah and has sucked. And it, it's it's interesting too because the thing with like like he got really unhinged over Trump because Trump won where he lost. But Moore is really interesting because he, he he plays this big I'm a man of principle and. Trump is uncouth and barbaric, and I'm so stately. Except remember, Mitt Romney tried to be Trump's secretary of state, Mm -hmm. and Trump didn't hire him. Trump hired somebody else. Mm -hmm. Mitt Romney took that personal. Yeah, he's like a bitter ex-girlfriend kind of thing. Yeah, so that whole thing about how, well, I don't like Trump because I'm so principled. Yeah, you weren't too principled when you wanted to be Secretary of State. Now, were you, buddy? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I actually know I know members of Mitt Romney's family because while my old uh, business I used to be in, mm-hmm. uh, I actually wound up, I wound up working with some of his nephews. Okay. And uh, I, I don't think I think the thing about Mitt Romney is he's just a prideful dude, but he's so up in his pride that he doesn't even realize he's prideful. Mm-hmm. He just assumes whatever he does is the right thing, which is total crap. Um, yeah, and as a senator, he is such a squish and such a letdown. Well, he's and not. So he's not. Even, he's not thinking. Yeah, he's not thinking about his constituents either. Um, there's, oh no, not at all. Yeah, there's races running out there that he's not even supporting the Republican that's running. He's not even. Yeah, it's Mike. Support. Mike Lee. Uh, yeah. Mike was our other senator. Mike Lee is great on a mm. lot of on a lot of. Uh, I agree with Mike Lee more than most. Uh, people most politicians by far i disagree with them on some stuff but mm-hmm. overall i think he does actually believe in the constitution mm-hmm. above 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 all else mm-hmm. and mike lee is really pro-gun and pro-business and does a pretty good job mm-hmm. not always but pretty good job and he's up against this guy who's a grifter scumbag named mm-hmm. evan mcmullen and mcmullen is i refer to him as utah beto mm-hmm. uh He's just he's just Beto or oh, work oh, for that's, Utah. Yeah, that's your hashtag Utah Beto. That's what. Yeah, that's I've been using that a lot. I, I, I can't. Evan McMullen ran is the kind of third party candidate who ran against uh-huh. Trump to try, basically on behalf of Hillary Clinton to try to deprive Trump of votes, mm-hmm. and uh, total con artist. And he's an he's an independent, but our Democrats aren't even running a Senate candidate because they, the Democrats are all just voting for him because he's just a Democrat, mm-hmm. and everybody knows he's a Democrat. But he's pretending to be this independent. And it's funny, when polling shows that he needs a family, a family appears. So when polling shows that he needs to be seen as religious, he, he, he starts putting up his pictures of him at BYU going to games. I mean, the guy is just, <laughs> yeah. the guy has, the guy is just, he's not even a person. He's just a product. He's Politicians, like a manufactured man. product. Yeah. yeah. We've got Charlie Crist. I mean, I don't know if you could get worse than Charlie Crist. But. Oh, Charlie Crist is such a <laughs> such a goober. <laughs> so I know there's people in here saying stuff about Mitt Romney. How how can how can uh, Utah get rid of Mitt Romney, man? What what can we do to oh. shift that guy out of there? Okay, so he's still in his first term. Um, mm-hmm. So he's he's still and uh, so people people act like we've reelected him. No, we've not reelected him yet. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, next primary. The the word the the theory here in Utah is that we have a guy our attorney general is a guy named Sean Reyes mm-hmm. and Reyes is legit. Uh, for everything I've seen of Reyes, he puts his money where his mouth is. 
like he he had Utah join the Texas lawsuit after the 2020 elections, um, that kind of thing. So he he's pretty hardcore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Reyes is popular, too. And so it sounds like Reyes is going to primary Romney for his seat. So my theory is that Romney's going to retire. Uh, and why I think he retires, I don't think he wants to lose again. And okay. I also yeah. think once we had once because right now he's powerful and important because we have mm-hmm. a 50-50 Senate. So basically the Republicans have to kiss his butt to get his vote. But once we have like 52-48 or 54, you know, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, Please. <laughs> it went, Knock yeah. on wood. <laughs> but once it's no longer a tied Senate, then Mitt mm-hmm. Romney doesn't matter anymore. He's not important anymore. And I don't think his ego can handle that. So I mm-hmm. figure if he's facing a strong primary challenger, he'll be out. Otherwise, we're just going to beat him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think he is pretty much despised by most of the actual conservatives in Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually has a higher approval rating amongst our Democrats than our Republicans. Wow. Okay. So he's either going to switch parties, run for president, or something like that. He'll run for president again, maybe. Yeah, he might. He might, but I doubt it. I don't, I don't think his ego could take another loss. I, yeah. I, I figure my bets retire. Because he's getting yeah. pretty old, too. He's 70, 70-something. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember... But I, I, mm-hmm. I just say, I hope he leaves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Mitt Romney. Okay, so listen. Let's talk about the, the book here, In Defense of the Second Amendment. Here, I'm going to throw it up on here. How did this book come around? It's not published yet. You people, get, It's available for pre-order from people, for folks who want to do that. Uh, you can go to, there's a whole bunch of different places you can go to. I think Lola has a link to, a link to this in, uh, on Amazon, right? What is this book? How did it come about? You know, give us the skinny on that. Okay, so what happened was, uh, this is my first nonfiction book, but um, I, so I know this fella as an editor at a publishing house that does nonfiction political books, and this was because the Bruin versus New York um, Supreme Court decision was coming up, and so okay. uh, gun rights was in the news again, and the way nonfiction publishing works is they strike while the iron's hot. They, they write about topical, things that are in the news, they try to get the books out very quickly, and so... They went and they had a meeting and they said, who do we know that could write a really persuasive defense of the Second Amendment book uh, really quickly? Right. And so this one <laughs> editor had used – he worked with me back when I was a fiction guy. Mm-hmm. And so he goes, oh, I know a guy. Yeah, I know a guy <laughs> who, who is crazy, writes all the time, is <laughs> definitely yeah, a I, Second Amendment dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a Second Amendment absolutist, and I've, yeah. been, I've been involved in this world for 30 years now. I've, mm-hmm. I've been doing Second Amendment stuff. And uh, so I wrote the book, actually, very quickly. And uh, the hard part was you know, doing the research to make sure all the sites and numbers and stuff were correct. But no, this is a passion project. Uh, this is something I'm very excited about. I, I just basically, I, I several years ago, I wrote, uh, actually 2012, I wrote this uh, opinion on gun control is what it was called. Uh, and it went super viral blog post. Millions of people read it. Um, and it was just basically me articulating all the things that are wrong with gun control and why it doesn't work in real life. Mm-hmm. And that went super viral. So I already had a reputation to be able to write gun stuff. Um, and so I had a chance to do this book and this book is just basically my defense of the second amendment, why it matters, why it's important, um, why gun control is stupid and what we as, uh, as gun people 
uh, what we can do proactively to defend our rights, to expand our rights, to bring more people uh, you know, into understanding the Second Amendment, to expand the culture. And, uh, and so this is kind of a, a project that I was really excited about. And uh, like I said, coming out in January, and it's already a bestseller based upon just the pre-orders alone. The pre-orders off this have been nuts. So uh, the New York Times bestseller list hates me. <laughs> and so I'm actually, I'm hoping this has good enough numbers. Can we really break them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Them? Yeah, what number but do you either, have to get to? We could do it. Well, the thing is, I've been on there before. I, mm. I, and my fiction used to make it all the time. And then I got, then they found out what my politics were. And I haven't been mm. on there since, even though my sales have gone up. Mm-hmm. And so I really, my goal with this book is that either it's really obvious it should be on there and they don't put it on there. Mm-hmm. And then I'll use that for marketing purposes because everybody hates the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Or they have to put me on there and see my name on their stupid newspaper again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that, you know, hopefully, I, don't, I, I can't speak for everyone else in the Second Amendment community. But this is something that the Second Amendment community should mobilize for, right? This is a book that is literally in defense of the Second Amendment. Yeah. So, you one know. of the things I set out to do, and one of the things I'm pretty good at uh, mm-hmm. as far as political arguing is, I, I'm pretty good at articulating the ideas that other people have, but they can't express. Mm-hmm. So it's what I mean by that is like people, they know what they believe and they, they know why they believe it, but they have a hard time explaining that persuasively in an argument. Mm-hmm. And so I go through... Basically, every single argument, like typical argument I could think of that the, that the gun control people use, every line of attack they use, I go through basically how to respond to each of these. And it's not about convincing the anti-gun people because, you know, the willfully ignorant are really hard to sway. Right. But you do it for the audience. You do mm-hmm. it for the regular people that are watching this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're at work and you're having this debate with the hardcore gun grabber, Mm-hmm. You're not arguing to sway them. You're arguing for your coworkers. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're having this argument with your family and, and it's, you got that aunt that like hates guns, you know, you're not arguing against her. You're arguing for the kids. Yeah. You're, you're basically. So, so, so I, I go into that a little bit of that and kind of the psychology of it. But because uh, I always like to say Internet arguing is a spectator sport. Mm-hmm. And that's really what, what we're talking about here. And so I go through all the arguments, all the gun laws. Uh, I go into stuff that's old, that's been around forever, that we still hear like a million times. Uh, you know, like, the, the, like you're 43 times more likely to get killed by a gun in the home than shoot a yeah. burglar. You know, or your own stuff. gun, which is a thing, a myth uh, that's pushed yeah. out there by movies. Like someone will beat it's, you up, take your own gun away from you. Oh, yeah. I, t- I talk about that. Mm-hmm. They use that. They use that. They like to use that one on women a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen that all the time. It's like, well, if you have a gun, the bad guy will just take it away from you. And I actually quote a, uh, a gun writer that I know uh, uh, named uh, Tamara Keel, where she says, if that happens, that's when you pull the felon repulsion lever. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. Uh, you know. And so, yeah, I, I go into a lot. And I go into the – you because, you know, they always like to mm-hmm. compare us to other countries and that kind of thing. We go into that too and how that's mm-hmm. basically nonsense and apples and oranges. But it's a really good book, and I, I really hope, I hope it makes a difference. Yeah, and you wrote this in what about forty-five days? Uh yeah. Actually, the the <clears throat> most of the writing was done in one month. Okay. Uh, and then the next couple of weeks were just like making sure that all my, my all my 
all my facts were exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, everything is cited. Um, everything is footnoted. Every chapter has tons of footnotes. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, if I if I say something, it's like we can defend it. Uh, as, mm-hmm. and, and I so when I pick apart other people's arguments, I'll go through the stats. I'll go through the reality. I'll cite cases. Um, you know, whether they're legal cases or like various shootings. Mm-hmm. Um, I go into a lot because uh, one of the things I've pushed for for a long time is guns in school, uh, allowing concealed carry in, in schools in order to prevent uh, school shootings. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that it works. We mm-hmm. have many, many, many cases where it works. And we have seen places where they ban it, where, you know, there's no line of defense. I go into the mass shooting and the psychological of mass, the psychology of mass shooters. Uh, I go into a bunch of them and how they work. And what almost always stops them is, an, is a violent response. Absolutely. Uh, and so either that violent response is going to be fast or it's going to be slow. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the logistics of how many people you have carrying guns nearby. Yeah. Whether the responder is a citizen or a cop, it doesn't matter. The imat- what matters is getting there quick. And the faster they shut the bad guy down, the less people die. Yeah, that's, the be- that's it. Period. The better for society. Look at the Parkland case. Um, it's not even really complete yet, and it's been a few, you know, several years here. And the funny thing about it is, you know, and there's been some, you know, real angst about this in Florida because this guy just got life in prison. He didn't get the death penalty in Florida because the jurors just couldn't get their act together and give the death penalty to him. So now the people of Florida have to support this 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 uh, horrible human being for the rest of his life, which could theoretically be a long time. And someone could have, you know, ended that right there on the scene and saved lives. And people need yeah. to think about that. Florida actually went from being the gunshine state to putting gun laws in effect. And that was Republicans. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I hold them to bear for that all the time. That that was Republicans that put gun laws into effect here in Florida because of that. And here we are still. It was not the solution. The solution is at that point when someone goes evil and decides to destroy other people, that person needs to be destroyed. Yeah, I talk about the book a lot. Immediate violent response is mm-hmm. the best thing to have. Yeah. Um, the gun controllers always want some sort of utopian scam that will prevent the bad guy from being bad to begin with. Mm-hmm. Except that doesn't work. Bad people are going to be bad. Um, <clears throat> you see it all the time. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter what you do. They're still going to evil men are going to do evil. Yeah, and then it really becomes a question of responding to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and so especially I've been when, especially when they when they know they're going to get famous and then they're just going to get locked up forever, and people mm-hmm. are going to have to take care of them. I mean, it was it was like yeah. heart wrenching to see the parents, you know, talking about it, and uh, yeah, it, you know, well, I think even putting to... that guy back in the news again and sparing mm-hmm. his life, putting him back in the news. Mm-hmm promotes that kind of behavior to other guys that are wired the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've actually got a chapter in the book about that where I think the greatest single problem we have is actually media coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, making, it's making these guys into superstars. It's making them into rock stars. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a guy who's a disaffected loser scumbag. He's got no life. He's got nothing going for him. He hates the world. He hates, he hates everyone around him. He hates society. And you show him, the news shows him that, hey, 
if you do this certain kind of crime, we're going to make you a superstar. You'll be the most famous person in the world for a week. The president of the United States will stop and talk about you. You'll mm -hmm. be on social media. <clears throat> if you got a yeah. manifesto, we'll, we'll print your manifesto. We'll put you on TV. You know, we'll put you on the cover of Rolling Stone. And, and then, yeah. then they do it. And it's funny because the news even tells them. The news tells them where to hit, who to hit, and what gun to use. Because it's all about this. They're not, these guys aren't stupid. They're it's evil, disgusting. but they're not yeah. low IQ. I mean, yeah. they're fairly, a lot of these guys are pretty smart. They're screwed up, but they're not dumb. And so the news shows them, hey, we're going to reward you, and we're going to give you everything you desire, and we're going to make you famous, and, and, and you can pay back everyone you've ever hated. And so, yeah, I, I go into that in the book because that part actually, that, that part really makes me angry. Yeah. And it makes me viscerally angry. Yeah, me too. I hope I hope folks um, in the gun community and uh, and other and elsewhere will pay attention to this and help you out. I know there are writers in the gun community already. We've had them on here. Those are good folks. People should support them as well. Larry Correa is one of our guys. He's one of our guys. Died in the wall. Like that's the point I'm trying to make with this episode. You know, I know when I have uh, authors come on the show, a lot of the gun guys aren't as excited because it's not the the president of this gun company or this <laughs> you know really cool gun guy that they love or whatever it is. But you, I know this that you are a gun guy and you're out there. I mean, I follow you on Twitter, man. I see you, you know, fighting the good fight, and I'm and I'm happy that you were able to get this book out there, and I hope people support it. Uh, tell us again, when is it coming out? How can people get their hands on it? Uh, it's going to be coming out in January. It's called In Defense of the Second Amendment. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, mm -hmm. uh, basically everywhere books that are sold. If mm -hmm. you pre-order it, that actually helps me a lot because uh, mm -hmm. all pre-order sales count as release week sales, which spikes okay. it on the um, bestseller lists. Okay, awesome. There you go. And when uh what we'll do is uh we'll, you know, we'll we'll get our hands on that book and we'll put it out there and and try to help you as much as we can with it. Hopefully. Yeah, I'll make sure I'll make sure when I get when I get uh hard copy review copies I can send you one. Okay. Um so I don't know if there's any questions out there from people. I'm trying to see if there's any uh any questions from the folks out there? You know, uh, with the time that we do have, man, the the shooting in Uvalde, it, it brings back a lot of what you're talking about here. You know, that, oh, par so that parents and folks who were trying to get in there and put a stop to this guy or at least get their kids out of there and all that were stopped. And it just, you know, every time things like this happen and I talk to the regular folks out there, they don't go, oh, I... You know, they don't tell me they want to get rid of guns or not have guns. They're like, how can I have a gun so that I can defend myself when that moment comes to me? Yeah, I'll tell you that Valde made me so angry. And in fact, uh, this book, uh, the publishing house has lawyers go through the book. To, you know, anytime there's a nonfiction book, they have lawyers go through to make sure you don't say anything that's libelous. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I had to remove the most of was talking about how bad Uvalde uh, did. Uh, about mm -hmm. how awful they were and mm -hmm. what a complete and utter like worst failure in the history of American law enforcement. Uh, they maybe actually like change a few things in there just to keep from getting sued because there hasn't been a court case yet. Yeah. But yeah. it's just, it's going to take awful. a long time complete, for that. Yeah. It's going to take a long time for us. Failure. To yeah. Really and then horrible. you got Eli Dickin by himself outperformed the entire police department. Yeah. We're going to take a break. We're coming right back. 
We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Move My Freedom podcast going without the support of a DAO or decentralized autonomous organization like Tusk Crypto. Tusk Cryptocurrency is a firearm-friendly e-commerce option for online payment transactions secured on the blockchain. So when you're in the crypto market, please consider Tusk, T-U-S-C. All right, Larry. So here is a question from um, Night Train. Night Train says, can you ask Larry what his personal carry gun is these days? So, which is a good segue into us talking about guns. So, go okay, for it. Okay, <laughs> so actually, I, I, I brought it. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, showing it's clear here. Mm-hmm. This is a Breda LTT RDO. So, it's a Langdon Tactical Breda. Uh, I run it with a mod light from a Filster floodlight and That's with sexy. some RMR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, so this is actually my daily carry gun. I switched to appendix about two years ago, and so I figured learning appendix, I would I wanted to go double action. Plus, I hadn't shot double action for a few years, mm-hmm. and so I got this, and it's been wonderful. Langdon makes, uh, man, Langdon the trigger on this thing is nuts. That's mm. a six pound double action with a three pound single. <laughs> okay, wow. It, yeah, it, it rocks. So okay. I'm actually uh, yeah. So this is my daily carry. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a big dude. I'm six foot five, so I don't really carry small guns. Right. Uh, like I've got a, I've got a Sig three sixty five that I really enjoy, but okay. I mean I I can't yeah. Look at those shoot. hands, man. Yeah. Yeah, Come I on. can't shoot little tiny guns to save my life. Um, yeah. And then my stupid human tricks gun, my gun that I'm using for like coin chasing, basically mm-hmm. uh, in classes and whatnot, is I use a Sig uh, three twenty Spectre Comp. Uh-huh. Uh, I run the Trigicon SRO, and once again, I run it from a floodlight. I mean, that's floodlights mm-hmm. what I work with, the Phil's mm-hmm. floodlight, and I run the Surefire on that. This thing is kind of amazing, actually. The, um, this thing shoots uh, phenomenally well. So you're so, a fan of the 320? I am, yeah. I, I Well, this is the one. I, I have a couple, but this is the only one that I've got. A, I got about 3,000 rounds through it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've put up a bunch of videos of me shooting. I did a couple personal bests on this i used to be a 2011 guy it was my was my primary thing but i've actually been doing with uh just kind of ease of maintenance and ease of optics mounting this i've been using this but um i ran a 4.77 fast drill the other day and i ran a 543 test with no name clean with this thing so the gun will do yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, that's very nice and you're not necessarily are you into the 320 like the you know the fact that you can um you know, the modularity of it and all that kind of stuff, or? I've not messed with that much yet, okay. but I was actually, mm-hmm. I was actually maybe planning a project for later on this year, mm-hmm. uh, doing some, trying to build something just completely wonky. It was going to take a Spectre Comp top end mm-hmm. and, uh, and then do a lighter weight lower. I was going to do a Grey Guns trigger, and actually uh, Bruce Gray is, is working on some cool stuff for that. He's a great gunsmith, by the way, and mm-hmm. so I, was gonna, I think I was going to set up a Grey Guns uh, carry like lighter weight carry gun because that bread is awesome but it's also like 34 ounces or something right <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a couple and, of yeah, there's a couple of things in there so the the beretta what's your what kind of um what kind of holster do you have for that uh, i usually do the filster floodlight and so the filster okay, it's, a, it's mm-hmm. the appendix rig mm-hmm. and actually i here i'll show you i cheat because i'm a fat guy mm-hmm. uh i actually glue i <laughs> 
I actually glued Dr. Scholl's gel inserts. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's the what inside. That, okay. Yeah. Yeah, hold so that up like, to the camera Dr. again. This is this is interesting, Larry. <laughs> I have never seen this. If any of you guys have seen this before, let me know. This is a top tip. Yeah, that is a that is a Dr. Scholl's gel insert, super glued onto the in. <laughs> wow. And okay. The thing is, there you go. That's uh, well, because I, li I I like Kydex holsters for uh -huh. like you know they're 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 pretty rugged and uh, adjustable mm -hmm. and whatnot. Uh, but if but I I hate having plastic rub on me, especially mm -hmm. when I'm doing anything physical. Yeah. And, or or driving when you're driving mm -hmm. for a long time and you get those hot spots on your appendix mm -hmm. holster, you know. And so I'm a big proponent of gluing. Uh, Dr. Scholl's or foam onto my holsters. Oh, that's a good that's idea. I never here. thought of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the cool thing about the Dr. Scholl's, I actually got this trick from Annette Evans, mm -hmm. uh, who, who is a great competition shooter, used to shoot for Team SIG. Um, if you use the Dr. Scholl's, if you wear an undershirt, it doesn't mm -hmm. come untucked when you're, when you're drawing and holstering a whole bunch. Like if you're doing um, like a whole bunch of repetition from the holster mm -hmm. at the range, you know, doing drills or whatever, and it's hot, hot day, you're not untucking your undershirt and uh. putting it in your holster. Oh, that's cool. So it's yeah, actually pretty cool. Yeah, on that, on that, I got a tip from uh, some some of my friends in law enforcement. They wear the uh, moisture wicking undershirts, you know, when they're doing that kind of stuff. And funny enough, I started doing it, and I noticed when it gets hot and sweaty, and you have moisture wicking on, you you actually do better, you know, because it's keeping that all that moisture from ex from escaping your body. And, you know, by creating the barrier and all that. But then you can have that as, like, what you're saying is that, uh, you know, that layer between your yeah, skin. Yeah, you're not untucking it because you're going like this a thousand times a day. Yeah. Well, because you go to somebody, I swear, every time you do a shooting class, the weather sucks. Mm -hmm. Always. <laughs> That's, like, guaranteed. I <laughs> love going to gun school. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually... Um, I actually host because my house here. I have a range. Uh, mm -hmm. I have I have my own pistol range at my house. Okay. And um, soft, soft so I flex, host. subtle flex right there from Larry. Well, I live range. in the I, I love it. I love I it. I love it. Yeah, I live in the <laughs> me country. too. Land was yeah. land was used to be cheap. Um, right. Mm -hmm. And no, so I, I actually host. Uh, I host once a year. I have Citizens Defense Research comes out to my house mm -hmm. and does a couple pistol classes here, mm -hmm. which is which is pretty awesome. But inevitably, every time I do a pistol class, it's hot. Yeah, I think when I saw you years ago, you were telling me that uh, that you that like you just got a place and you're putting a range on there. I can't remember the. I think you had like a nice distance on there too. Uh, yeah, well, worked out worked out where we had to put the road. Um, mm -hmm. uh, basically, I have to shut the place down if I want to like shoot rifles mm -hmm. uh, because I because I have to shoot across my driveway, so I can only right. do it like when I'm in, <laughs> you know. But so I have a wonderful pistol range that I could do pretty right. much whatever I want at. But, yeah. If I want to get out to like 100, 200 yards, then yeah. basically I'm out of luck unless I shut the place right. down. I'm that dude. That and my wife put gets some, mad at me. Right. I would put some <laughs> fake cars down in that driveway and practice shooting <laughs> shooting on that road. Trust me. That's good. That's yeah, good drilling. I'm actually, I'm actually putting in a gate at the bottom. That mm -hmm. <laughs> this is gonna We're putting cows here. Uh -huh. uh, and I need a gate anywhere to keep them from wandering out in the road, but the cows, you know, eat the grass and keep it from catching on fire. Right. But, uh, but when <laughs> nice. I shut the gate, no one will be uh -huh. able to drive up and surprise me, so I'll be able to right. shoot rifles more often. <laughs> yep, yep. There will always be a 50 trained on that road, just in case anyone is wondering oh, about yeah. it. Let me uh, oh, get some... <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. 
Oh no, I, I brought I brought all sorts of weird guns too. That just stuff yeah. we're having fun with right now. Yeah, if you want. we're gonna yeah. we're gonna show some guns here. We got some questions. Uh, Forty two chilled said nice. That's a comment. Gen Champ Senior said what caliber? So what caliber are those two guns that you just showed us? Uh, oh, uh, both of those are nine millimeters. So my okay. uh, basically my my um, my carry guns and my training guns are all nine millimeter because I can buy it in bulk. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Right answer. Pretty that's good. me. Nine is the right millimeter. And now everyone's gonna get, you're gonna get ten millimeter for everyone's gonna everyone's gonna chime in right now. I do have my ten here. <laughs> right. It's, okay. There's gonna be some happy people. Um, let's see. Uh, DCG44 says love Langdon tactical guns. Um, let's say. And Shelly Fungus wants to know if you're in Cali. I would say decidedly not. But go ahead. You can answer uh, that. I grew up there. I, yeah. I grew up there, but no, I have not lived there for since 1993. <laughs> I've lived in Utah, so yeah. Uh, this is my 10 millimeter. It's the uh, STI wow. 20. Back when it was before it was staccato, so STI. But these oh. guys are actually huge Monster Hunter fans, so they mm -hmm. made this custom for yeah. me. MHI. Yep, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. And sick transit Gloria Mundi, and the. Um, this thing is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, no, that's awesome. And the trigger pull on it, the trigger pull on it is nuts. It is the lightest, shortest reset trigger I have ever tried. This thing is amazeballs. Oh, so, yeah, that's, that's very cool. So I I do have a 10 millimeter. I am I also like 10 millimeter, mm -hmm. but I just don't shoot it nearly as much because it's just, you know, it's like buying another gun every time you buy a couple boxes of ammo. Yeah. You know, <laughs> these days... If you if I could go back in that time machine, I would buy way more ammo. <laughs> I'll put all yeah, my money yeah. into ammo. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. There, I would have some cars I would have never Yeah, there'll be some cars I would have never bought. I would have just bought ammo and then and then bought the cars later when, when everyone's selling that ammo for lots yeah, of money. Yeah, back when I was shooting three gun, uh I, I they had He Man class or or mm -hmm. um or heavy metal. And so I was shooting a South African 308 for like 15 cents a round or mm -hmm. 17 cents a round. Mm -hmm. Oh, how I wish I knew now what I knew then. <laughs> or how I wish I knew then what I knew now. Yeah, it's like the dudes. I always have this conversation with, with, with uh, got gun guys who tell me, I remember when the AK was 75 bucks, <laughs> which I know is not <laughs> technically true. I think that was an AK kit, according to uh, Walter from Safety Harbor oh. Firearms. But you ain't never going to see... We'll never see those days. Nope. <laughs> We're never. I don't care what apocalypse happens. In the apocalypse, an AK still won't be seventy-five bucks. It's gonna be like four bars of gold. <laughs> so, yeah, I got yeah. I got my first SKS for like sixty-five dollars in college, <laughs> and, I sold, and I sold it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Do you still do you still ha do you have any AKs? I do. I didn't bring any upstairs, but I okay. actually. Um, uh, I actually was a big Vepper fan back in the day. I, I ran a Vepper and three gun for one year just to be an obstinate weirdo. Mm -hmm. I, I was the one guy out there with an AK where everybody else was running an AR. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, I like the, the old the old Vepper Ks were great guns. They, mm -hmm. they those things ran fantastic. Shot actually pretty dang good groups for an AK. Oh, okay, cool. Let me show off some oh. guns. Oh, go ahead. What's I was going to say, I saw your video uh, that you did the other day with PSA where they're doing the, a, uh, the AK that takes uh, AR mags. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't that was have, pretty trick. Yeah, that is very cool. I don't have one here. I, um, I'm, I'm waiting for those. I think those, are, I think those are out now, but I don't have one of them. But I do have a bunch of PSA stuff, funny enough. 
So here's my AKV, you know, nine millimeter, right here. Oh PSA. yeah. Do you have? So you've got some PSA guns? Oh yeah. I mean, I honestly, I like okay. PSA because I think my, my my son loves to build AR. I have a teenage boy, and his hobby mm -hmm. is building ARs. Oh, cool. Uh, and so I actually buy a lot of Blam Perk kits. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. PSA's got, and PSA has good deals going on. I'm just, I'm just saying, Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sign up for that. Sign up for that mailing list. And like every, every couple months I'm like, oh crap, I have to yeah. buy all that. Yeah. You know what, Larry, I suggest you go and use Lola's deals because we have an affiliate. I would like to get some, you know, Larry Korea buying some PSA oh, stuff yeah. through, through my affiliate link. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll do that. No problem. I'm going to tell Lola to send you that link. <laughs> so check it out. I will this... gladly do it. Oh, I appreciate it. So check it out. This is the Jackal from PSA 556. I'm waiting for the 300 blackout version, but this is really cool. Um, and it's light too, compa compared to a lot of things out there. And this is like, they completely went back to the drawing board with this, you know, side charging, all that kind of stuff, uh, piston set up in here so that you can, you know, you can put one of these days, this is going to become a machine gun, but right now it's legal, I guess. I don't know, but we're, we're yeah, waiting we'll, for we'll, the ATF to tell us some things. <laughs> yeah. We'll see next month how that goes. But, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. That, that jackal is from everything I've seen on that jackal. That thing is pretty wicked. I mean, that yeah. every, every review I've seen makes it sound like a great gun. Yeah, it's really cool, and uh, you know, I've we're gonna do some videos of this one, but you know, I've done a lot of stuff with pre-production and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that PSA did a really good job with this, and I'm looking forward to them adding on to this, right? So they're gonna do 300 blackout, do some other calibers. Uh, there's folks out there who want like they want to see the full length versions. Um, I personally would be looking forward to integrally suppressed. You got any integrally suppressed rifles, Larry? I have one downstairs I didn't bring up. I, um, well, actually, two. Uh, never mind. I have two. <laughs> <laughs> integrally suppressed is awesome. Uh, I'm a big fan. I want to see what, what I, calibers do you have? Uh, one 5.56 five, and one twenty two. Oh, okay, five, cool. Little, yeah, the oh. twenty two. I did the I did the little breakdown uh, the little breakdown backpacker Ruger with the the Gym Tech barrel. Mm -hmm. which is just the greatest gun in the history of the world for teaching little kids. Oh, yeah. That thing 22s. is that's such a hoot. Yeah, 22s so are awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I just threw a mm -hmm. red dot on there and let them kids go nuts. It's That thing is amazing. Yeah, 22s are awesome. I was shooting a 22 today at some squirrels. I didn't hit them, but... <laughs> I have a little 22. Squirrels are so annoying to me here, man. Squirrels are costing me money. <laughs> This is one of the things about living in the country. And I heard this weird noise at my back door, and I knew it wasn't someone trying to come. I, always, I home carry. I don't know about you, but I home carry. Mm -hmm. So, but I was like, is this, what is a squirrel doing? That's what I thought it was a squirrel. So I went and got my, uh, I have like a little Smith & Wesson 22 pistol. I've got a can on it and everything. It's always set up with magazines. And I went out there, I, you know, right at the, he was trying to chew through something on the light right above my back door so i open the door and he's running and i'm shoot i just hit i hit the tree but I, i'm gonna get him <laughs> there's so many squirrels here there they've caused me a lot of trouble they chew through the wires on my car all kinds of stuff they're annoying oh geez yeah i got coyotes and uh, mm -hmm. i had a cougar in my yard about two weeks ago oh wow uh 
that was actually kind of exciting because you don't see those very often. Like yeah. that, that's the, uh, I mean, you know, they're there, mm-hmm. but I actually saw it across the field and mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. Cause you, I mean, I've lived in Utah for 30 or almost or 20 something years. And that's the first time I've seen a cougar. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so we've have coyotes here and I see them from time to time. I never, uh, it's never when I have, uh, you know, like my 300 blackout or something in my hands. Um, but I've started seeing a fox. And when I first moved to this property, there was nothing here. And my neighbor was on the property when I was coming through with a real estate agent. And we were like, what are you doing here? And he was like, oh, there's a fox over here. I'm trying to find him because he's eating my chickens. And I was like, a fox in Florida? This can't, this can't be a real thing. But it's real. We've seen, the, we've seen these foxes a lot lately. And they're just red. They stand out. Um you know, and I don't, I used to have a dog, don't have a dog anymore. Otherwise you wouldn't, I wouldn't see him. Yeah. We, we, we got it. We see foxes. I've seen, uh, one bobcat up here once. That was actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Badgers. We have badgers, which is actually mm-hmm. pretty neat. Mm-hmm. I had a badger that was living down at my gun range for a little while. And mm-hmm. it was, it was kind of awkward, you know, because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're kind of yeah. scary. Um, yeah. They're kinda, yeah. They're, they're kind of scary grumpy. and tough. Were you trying yeah, to do fun. like? Were you trying to do pictures with your gun and the badger? You know, like were people trying to bring a badger next to a badger? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, so we had the uh, so so I had the badger, and then we had a pistol class out here, and mm. I was warning people because they were like going out in the weeds to you know relieve themselves, and I was warning them like, uh, I wouldn't go over in that area there. That's where I saw the badger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know where he sleeps. I don't know where if he if he hangs yeah. out in there. Yeah, or, don't pull your junk yeah. out in front of that badger. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're scrappy little buggers. And then we have, yeah. uh, down by the river, we have raccoons like crazy. Mm-hmm. We live up on a hill, so it's not really a problem for us. But our neighbors, uh, they, they eat their chickens. They get into everything. They get in the garbage. They just cause a big mess. And then we have wild turkeys. We have this giant flock of wild turkeys around here. Mm-hmm. And they are so dumb and so annoying. <laughs> and they poop so much. <laughs> Yeah, and they're big buggers, turkeys, man. <laughs> oh, they yeah. are. They are yeah. huge. Yeah. Um, do you did you ever like uh, get some of them for Thanksgiving or? <laughs> no, apparently, okay. what I've been told, what I've been told by the neighbors here is they these are not that tasty. Oh, okay. Yeah, the wild <laughs> ones probably. Yeah, probably not. You got to get some serious fat on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These are yeah. a little more lean, but yeah. So mm-hmm. the neighbors down by the river, though, they get they get a lot more animals than we do because we're up mm-hmm. at the, the the tall part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. You know, I I actually had to shoot a deer the other day with my carry gun because mm-hmm. it got hit by a car. Oh, I was wow. out for a walk and somebody mm-hmm. hit it, and it, yeah, that sucked. But so mm-hmm. that was the that was the first and only thing I've ever killed with my Beretta was wow. was a was a deer. Yeah, and, put it uh, out of its pain. Yeah, mm-hmm. that sucked. That was just a mm-hmm. bummer. But mm-hmm. um, actually, and, and I and, and it wasn't like I could go back to you know my house and get my earplugs. I was just mm-hmm. out for a walk, you know, with right. my dog. Yeah. And so I, I, I was like, you know, I'm never gonna get caught like that again because that's hearing damage. So I went mm-hmm. ahead and I started carrying earplugs in my wallet just if that happens again. You know, living out in the sticks. Yeah, good idea. Um, so we got some. So let's. Shelly Fungus says, Hank, I've heard of Larry a million times. First time hearing him though. Good dude, good stuff. So there you go. Cool. Uh, we've got lots of, I don't know if there's any, I'm trying to uh, go through. Someone said secret squirrel when I was talking about the squirrel there. Uh, <laughs> and people were talking about 22s. 22s. 22s are awesome guns, man. And uh, the Ruger 1022, I think, 
should go in the history books as one of the best firearms ever manufactured, in my, my opinion. I love them. Oh, absolute agreement. I think more kids have learned how to shoot on a Ruger 10-22 than probably any other gun there mm-hmm. is. That, I, I, would, I, would, I would take that wager. Yeah. And uh, 42 Chill says, I train cougars. I don't think he's talking about this. <laughs> I, I don't think he's talking probably, about <laughs> Yeah, probably a different kind. Yeah, yeah. That's a little bit, a little bit different. From what we're yeah, the one in my yard was a little more menacing than those. Yeah, you don't want to train this one. You don't want to train. <laughs> you know, this one's not going to work out so well for you. <laughs> so we're going to take a uh, quick break here. We're going to be right back with Larry Correa. The Who Moved My Freedom podcast is made possible by our partners at Two A Commerce, veteran-owned and with over twenty years experience. Two A Commerce is the leader in custom e-commerce and web application development in the shooting sports industry. Clients include major brands such as Guard Dog Body Armor, Sylvan Arms, AccuFire Technologies, The Tactical Games, Warrior Knife Company, and yours truly, Hank Strange. Visit 2A Commerce and support this show by supporting them. Once again, visit the number 2acommerce.com. All right, awesome. Let me uh, get the Discord in here. Some people throwing up some memes. Um, so that's the Alec Baldwin one from earlier. <laughs> uh, when we were when we were talking, let me see if I can get that to go bigger on here. No, I can't. Okay, and uh, let's see, what's this one? Uh, no Hablo Inglas. Okay, I, I missed that one. That had something to do with. Uh, I think it's because his wife pretended to be from Spain. Oh, and, okay. Uh, and actually, she's not. She's just an American, but she pretended right. she put on this big fake accent like she was from Spain or something. Really? Oh, she's like Madonna with a British accent. Yeah, I, I don't know what the deal. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't get that. Yeah, and here's another. Here's another one. Uh, I've killed more people than all January six protesters. Changed my mind, and it's Alec Baldwin. There you go. Okay. So lots of those memes went up on the Discord when we were talking about that. Um, and there's there's a, there's a link. I think Lola put a link there in the chat for anyone who, who wants to get into that. And let me remind everyone now before I forget, um, tomorrow, Wednesday, we've got long-distance black powder rifles with Eric of Axis Works. So um, I don't know if you've seen that. But apparently we had um, we had uh, Ken from KN Arms was on the other day and he had a long distance black powder rifle that was bolt action. It was really interesting. It was bolt action, black powder. And so we've got the guy who makes those. He's coming on tomorrow. Cool. Yeah. I've got I've, I've got one other show and tell one. I yes, please hit I, us I, with I it. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Do you know, uh, do you know, Apex uh, that makes a lot of like trigger kits and yes. parts? And yes. OK, so. Scott from Apex is a mm-hmm. is a big Monster Hunter fan. Oh, cool! So he he built oh, this for me. Oh, nice! This is you know sick transit. This is the mm-hmm. Earl Harbinger. Oh, uh, cool. Revolver from Earl Monster Harbinger. Hunter. Yeah, Earl Harbinger is one of my favorite characters. Yeah, is amazing. I'm not yeah. I'm not I'm not a big revolver shooter, right? Mm-hmm. But this thing mm-hmm. is amazing. And then I I don't have these on it because I can't shoot shoot it with these grips yeah hold it up a little nice. up go up go up up, up. Go. actually yeah, wait, right there, right there we go there. Yeah, there okay there go. we go yeah uh, oh yeah, nice so, yeah 
puff exemption. I love that. <laughs> yeah, so I <laughs> yeah. don't actually sh I don't actually shoot the gun with these grips on it because they're just mm -hmm. way too nice. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, th this thing is uh, this thing is nuts. Uh, and uh, so Scott, Scott, big shout out to Scott from Apex for mm -hmm. putting that together for me. That's it's really just, sweet. It's just yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, and the uh, so for people who don't know, puff exemptions from Monster Hunter. One of the things I love about the Monster Hunter books, and you could you, Larry's going to explain this better than me, but here's my explanation of it. What a puff is is that if you kill these monsters, the government gives you money. There's like you know you you kill a vampire, you know you get and there's like levels of the monsters, you get more money, and you can actually like make some good loot, right? <laughs> How'd you come yep. up with that? Um, I used to be a military contractor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so okay. I, you know, working that for makes the government. Sense. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but yeah. the whole idea of like, so the government, because the monsters are, in this series, the monsters are secret, so people don't know about them, but to keep mm -hmm. the monster population under control so it doesn't cause too much trouble, the, um, the government pays the Perpetual Unearthly Forces Fund, or PUF, uh, from the Treasury, and so if you kill monsters, they pay you for it. Mm -hmm. And um, a puff exemption, which is actually that medallion you see there on that grip, was uh, for monsters that basically had uh, served their country. And so they had an exemption and they right. were not, you know, you, you weren't allowed to murder them anymore. Yeah, because uh, there's, so there's some good monsters in, in, in your stories, which is the same thing in life. There's some folks out there who are monsters, but for a good cause. And yeah. so, so I do that in the in the series, and there's uh, there's there's good monsters and bad monsters. But basically, if you wanna if you want a puff exemption, you have to uh, serve your time. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, man, we have a lot of fun with that in the series. And and mm -hmm. uh, like I said, we're eight books into that in that series now, with number nine coming next year. Uh, no, year, well, I don't know. It depends on how fast I can go. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I. Um, I I really do like your your enjoy your stories, and I think people out there will feel the same way. Okay, so um, Lola has a question. Lola says, since Halloween is coming is coming up, what's Larry's favorite B horror movie? Oh man, that's so hard. Okay, I love 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 the movie Dog Soldiers. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. if you seen Have you seen that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that flick. Um, mm -hmm. And then probably my favorite overall, not really a B movie because it was like way more money, but uh, mm -hmm. The Thing. The Thing? I love okay. The Thing. Oh, my mm -hmm. gosh. The original 1985 yeah. John Carpenter, The Thing. Right. Such a good movie. Was The Thing based on a book? Um, I'm not sure. It was based okay. on another movie from the 1950s. Oh. Okay. Okay. I don't know mm -hmm. if there was a book for that, though. Might have been. Um, okay. But man, that movie... So like my my like I introduced my son to it a couple of years ago when mm -hmm. he was probably like you know fifteen sixteen he had a mm -hmm. bunch of friends over for for Halloween and they were watching scary movies and they're just watching dumb teenage crap and I was like right. nah kids <laughs> yeah. let me let me hook you boys up with some real proper horror movie and it was the thing right scared the crap out of them really. <laughs> Man, yeah. I'm 47 years old, and that movie still gives me the heebie-jeebies. Right. Uh, I'm trying to. There's a. There's. Is it Vampire Hunter? There's a. Um. There's a B movie where that has. 
I can't remember the name of it now, but it's a movie and it has vampires in it and werewolves and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's definitely a B movie, but it's a really funny, cool movie to watch. And I'm trying to remember what exactly the name of it is, but it's slipping me right now. Someone out there is, is probably going to tell us when it comes to B movies. I like the mummy series. I don't know if that falls into oh, B movie either. I love the mummy. Yeah, man. The mu- those are the mummies awesome. Man, they're such classics. Mm-hmm. I actually uh, ran a role-playing game for a bunch of gun nuts one year mm-hmm. that was The Mummy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, every, yeah. And everybody had, we spent half the time, you know, kidding out their characters with cool 1930s guns. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you do, I'm trying to remember if there, are there mummies in uh, Monster Hunter? Actually, I have referenced them, but I have oh, not okay. had one yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know... Yeah. There's, you, you cover all different parts of Florida, and I think that... Which one of the books... Is it Monster Hunter that has... Uh, that's it, like There's these fairies or something that are in the Ocala Forest? Oh, yeah. I, have a, I do have a reference for that, because we have a team stationed mm-hmm. in Florida. Mm-hmm. So there's a team of Monster Hunters in Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so I've never done a book specifically with those guys, but they've just mm-hmm. kind of like, like... They've been mentioned in the background. Mm-hmm. Basically, I really like Florida. It's it's a, right. it's a fun state. Um, <laughs> yeah, Florida and, uh, man. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. So I've actually had yeah, there are a bunch of Florida men, and so I, I've, right. I've had a bunch of references to the to the Florida guys in there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we also had another one where they would go down and work in the Caribbean, and we had bits with a with the I did have bits with a monster called the Luska, mm-hmm. which is basically I had this before the movie Sharktopus, by the way, mm-hmm. but it was a shark headed <laughs> octopus creature. Uh-huh. And they're just nasty as all get out, and uh, yeah, though, yeah. So I, I have had, I have had the Florida guys pop up. Mm-hmm. Speaking of mummies, not mine, but I did this anthology. This just came out, and uh, I edited it with Casey Izell. It's called No Game for Knights. Okay. Um, and and we have a story in here, and they're all noir, sci-fi, and fantasy stories. And we have a story in there by a guy named Mike Haspel, mm-hmm. and uh, his story is a mummy. It's an ancient Egyptian mummy who is now a Miami police detective. <laughs> yeah. I think one of my... <laughs> that's so crazy. One of my favorite... Uh, one of my favorite characters in your books um, is the is Franks, the FBI. Oh, yeah. love Franks. Yeah. He's, he's, ba- he's a great character. Yeah, basically Frankenstein's monster. You know? Yep. Uh, he, he's, my, he's my take on Frankenstein, and right. um, I love writing this guy. So basically, mm-hmm. my version of Frankenstein went to work for the government as an enforcer. Mm-hmm. And uh, total a hole. I don't know who would play that character. The Rock. Oh, he's such. <laughs> and the thing is, he he's such a jerk. He's just an antisocial, <laughs> hates everybody jerk. Right. And he actually he got he was so popular that he actually got his own book, Monster Hunter Nemesis, is the Frank's mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest book I've ever written because to write an entire book where the main character hates everyone and everything. Right. It doesn't I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it came out really good. Man, that, that guy, yeah. Frank. It basically cannot die. <laughs> no. He is like yeah. a tank. This yeah. dude is a walking tank. Right. And uh, yeah, so I basically took the, the, the Frankenstein, all the tropes of the Frankenstein monster, and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, my version of it. And um, he yeah. is a hoot to write. He's yeah. such a dick. Yeah, if you guys. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm trying to see if you guys out there that are, that are watching this, you know, or listening to this, if you haven't 
read the Monster Hunter series, read it. You're going to love it. You'll probably be hitting me up telling me about it. It's really fun stuff. So let me ask you, here, here's my thing. I know, what do we got? Like 10 minutes. Um, I, I, I was looking at um, like an interview you did with someone else, and I found it interesting that you don't get along with some of the other writers out there, <laughs> you know, in your genre. And I was like, you know what? I have to talk about that when Larry comes on the show. So the other writers that I saw was like Stephen King and R.R. Martin. So do you want to, can we talk about that a little bit? Well, okay. So Stephen King, the thing there is he, mm-hmm. he writes about guns, like, like politics, like he gets political. I'm not talking about fiction. He, mm-hmm. he pontificates on, on gun rights and it's the stupidest crap you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And I've never actually engaged with Stephen King. I don't know the guy. I have tried to pick fights with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just has avoided me. Um, he wrote like a big screed on gun control back in, I want to say, like 2012, 2014, after some mass shooting. It was just the dumbest crap I've ever read. The guy doesn't know anything, anything about guns, how they work, self-defense. It's pathetic. But he's so full of himself and unbearable. Mm-hmm. Now, George R. R. Martin... Um, him I do know, and we have clashed several times over the years. Really? Uh, he's one of the most, like I said, one of the most famous authors in the world because, you know, he's got HBO money and Game of Thrones, a huge big thing. Um, but uh, back in about 2015, I started this thing to get a bunch of conservative writers nominated for this prestigious award mm-hmm. because basically the last, like, 280 people who had been nominated for this award had all been liberal. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like the... Uh, it's like the it's like the Oscars for sci-fi and fantasy is what it is. Right. And so I started a campaign just to get our fans involved, you know, because our people had pretty much written this process off. So I got him to come back. And George Martin, got, and he got so butthurt about this. And this is legend. And this is one of those uh, culture war things that actually predates Gamergate. But it was that kind of same thing mm-hmm. where... Uh, a bunch of uh, uncouth right-wingers mm-hmm. upset the apple cart. And so all these newspapers were writing articles about our racist, sexist, hate-mongery. Yeah, which basically you played, the, you played the system that they created. I did, yeah. And yeah. the funny thing is was my nominees were actually way more diverse than theirs. But mm-hmm. I didn't care about diversity. I just nominated people with good stories, like who would normally get ignored. Um, mm-hmm. And like, so when we're getting smeared, we're like homophobic. I had some of my nominees were like, well, I'm gay. And like, you are? I didn't even know. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. I was just, Mm -hmm. I nominated them because they were good writers, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that's what it cared about. And so it was just kind of funny. And they had a big fit. But George Martin wrote like, you know, the guy who hasn't written a book for like 10 years, Mm -hmm. wrote like 40,000 words. So that's a good. About you. you. Yeah. He wrote Mm -hmm. 40,000 words of blog posts complaining about me and my people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so. I got into this giant public debate with George Martin where we wrote back and forth these big things. And um, the New York, it was either the New York Times or the Boston Globe reported on it. And um, to give you an idea how much, how, how, how this went, the, George Martin is a billionaire, right? Right. I, I do okay, but I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. And he's got a lot. He's got people who will follow him and uh, get at you on social yep. media. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm fighting with George Martin. So the newspaper puts it that they describe George Martin as George R.R. R. Martin, son of a longshoreman. And they describe <laughs> me as Larry Correa, best-selling novelist. What? So 
Okay. Yeah, they didn't put Larry Tree, a son of a dairy farmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they had it. So they wrote this thing like I was punching down mm-hmm. on George Martin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The guy. The guy. The Hollywood billionaire with Game of Thrones and everything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and fans and, and all like, these superstars who have his back or whatever. Yeah, I get it. I was it. like, man, I, I, I saw I saw quite a few books, but dude, come on, man, we're not even in the same plane of existence. That yeah. guy whoops me by orders of magnitude in sales, but it was just kind of funny. So no, I don't, I don't get along with George at all because of mm-hmm. that. And, and it's kind of funny because I, I warned him during this like four or five years ago. I, I was like, man, these, these social justice warrior types, once they get rid of my people, they're going to eat you. I mean, they're going to turn on you guys too, because they're insatiable bullies. They've just mm-hmm. got to bully somebody. That's, that's how they get their power. And sure enough, after all the conservatives and libertarians fled, and went and did our own thing at Dragon Con instead in Atlanta. Um, these guys, uh, they canceled George R. R. Martin because mm-hmm. they had him be the uh, presenter at the awards. So he was reading the names and he got some of the names wrong. And so they had this giant freak out about how George R. R. Martin was a racist hate monger. <laughs> and, and so yeah. he, he's basically persona non grata amongst that crowd now. That he that he was all mad at me for upsetting the apple cart, and I'm I'm watching this, laughing my butt off. Yeah, friendly because, fire. <laughs> yep, I'm like, yeah. yep, cannibal feeding frenzy. You guys have fun. We tried to warn you. <laughs> yeah, I I really like the part that you were trolling before trolling was you know was a yep. thing um, from the dawn I, I of the internet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you were trolling from back in the days. So, I mean, I think that's a, been a big key to your success. I know that you, you have a publisher and everything, so you're not self-publishing, right? No, no, I'm with Bain Books. I started out self-published, but I'm with Bain Books okay. now, and Bain is awesome. Uh, right. It's run by a lady named Tony Weisskopf. Mm-hmm. Tony is amazing. She does not give a crap about uh, her writer's politics. She's like one of the only publishers who doesn't care about her writer's politics. Oh, cool. Uh, she just cares. That's awesome. That's Can you tell a good story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like we just had a guy, his name is Eric Flint. He passed away earlier this year. Good dude. But Eric Flint was a communist, mm-hmm. a friggin' communist. And, um, but she still published him, but she also published me. Yeah. You know, um, she, does, she just doesn't care. Tony, Tony mm-hmm. is all about do you tell a good story? Do you entertain readers? That's all that matters. And all the political crap, she, she does, she's above that. And so, she, she's an anomaly. Most of publishing is just horrible. Yeah. I mean, it, what's ironic about it is that these are your legitimate political beliefs. And, you know, in effect, what these guys want to do is book burn you, you know? Oh, yeah. oh I've had I've had bookstore employees mm-hmm. brag and pictures of taking my books off the shelves at the bookstores they work at and throwing mm-hmm. them in the garbage. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Which is funny to me because because the bookstore already bought them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I'm still. <laughs> it's like you. You're, it's so stupid they what these people doing. Yeah. If she threw them in the garbage, they can't return them. I'm, I mean, I'm getting paid for those. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Shelly Fungo says that's refreshing. Larry DCG44 says Bane is classic for sci-fi. I've I've heard of them uh, myself. They've been around for a long time, and it's. Good to hear that you know they haven't uh, let these folks out there push them in a direction. Nope, they they're hardcore. Tony Tony's committed to free speech and telling good stories. Yeah, yeah. So what do you have? We got a couple of minutes here before we start to wrap up. Uh, what's next on the horizon? Um, obviously, you, you know you've got the nonfiction book coming out. 
So what's, you know, in defense of the Second Amendment, after that, what, what can we look forward to from Larry Correa? Um, okay, so in defense of the Second Amendment is January. In, mm-hmm. um, also in January, I have Lost Planet Homicide Episode 2 coming out on uh, Audible. That's uh, my, my gritty, gritty cop show in space. And then coming out in April is the fourth book of the Saga of the Forgotten Warrior. It's called Tower of Silence. And it's awesome. I'm really excited about that. Uh, and after that, I have another Monster Hunter novel called Monster Hunter Memoirs Fever. That is a spinoff novel uh, set in 1970s California, written by me and Jason Cordova. So that's okay. a collaboration. Uh, and that, that, I believe the date on that is October, I think. Um, and then after that, I have a bunch of other stuff. There is more Hard Magic coming. There's another trilogy of that. There's more Monster Hunter, like the main series Monster Hunter will be after that. Um, mm-hmm. And there's one more book in the saga, The Forgotten Warrior, because that's a five-book series. Um, and then hopefully, if the sales are good, my last book, um, Servants of War. If, if yeah, this, hold that up. If Let's this, get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, hey, everybody listening, go buy a copy of this. <laughs> and that's on audiobook, too. It is, yeah, because we mm-hmm. want to do a sequel for that. And so uh, mm-hmm. that would be awesome. Uh, and uh, so that's, that's what I've got coming up. That's what i got coming up right away. What's up with Tom Stranger? And uh, I think he needs to. Oh. I think he needs to join up with someone from YouTube. You know, like very <laughs> handsome black gun guy with a mohawk from YouTube, also named Strange. Ironically, <laughs> that's a pretty specific. That's, that's a pretty specific. Yeah, that's pretty specific description there. No, I need to do Tom, but I haven't had time. My yeah. gosh. Yeah, I know. I mean, you've got a lot of, you already have a ton of stuff. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Moved My Freedom podcast going without the support of manufacturers like Safety Harbor Firearms. SHF is a quintessential family-owned small business, totally representative of the American dream. Safety Harbor Firearms is a Florida-based manufacturer of the compact entry stock and the SHTF 50 upper for an AR-15 lower. Also, SHF happily delivers on your Sten Gun parts needs. So don't forget to check out StenParts.com and SafetyHarborFirearms.com. All right, there we go. Uh, you know what, Larry? It's really, really been fun talking to you, man. Like, I, I could keep going talking about a lot of stuff, but I, pre- I appreciate you taking the time and coming on here when in defense of the second amendment comes out, I'm going to do my best to, to help get that out there to the, the folks in the world that I know that you're, you're, I think you're part of the second amendment community. And, um, I'm glad that folks here, hopefully through this podcast, will have an opportunity to figure that out about you, right. To, to realize that, you know, you're a guy who's been here in the community for a long time and, you know, show some support for, for this nonfiction book that you're putting out. No, I, pre- I really appreciate it. Th- thanks for having me on. I had a good time. Oh, absolutely. Same here. Shelly Fungus says, thanks for the show. Hank, Lola, Larry, and the buddies in the chat. So um, here, here's what I want to do. I'm, I want to give you an opportunity to tell the folks out there how they can uh, support you, follow you on social media, and all that kind of stuff. How do they do that? Sure. Um, so my blog is monsterhunternation.com. Uh, I am on Facebook, just under my name, Larry Korea, and I'm on Twitter uh, when I'm not banned on either of those two places. So that's the best place to find me is my blog, MonsterHunterNation.com, and my books are available everywhere, pretty much everywhere books are sold. 
Yeah, Larry's very big on the website. He's, you know, he's been doing the website thing for a long time. And that is, you know, as you said, probably the best place to go. And I know you're very active on Twitter. So who knows what's happening yeah. with Twitter, but. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. I, I, yeah. we'll, it'll be interesting. Um, yeah. Also, all, for the aspiring writers, anybody who's an aspiring writer or just interested in writing, like I said, writerdojo.com is the podcast that I do with Steve Diamond. So check that out. And hopefully that'll be helpful to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to be checking that out myself. I know one of the things I'd like to get back to, I'm trying to figure out how to juggle all the different things we have going on here, but I want to get back to writing. And, um, you know, that's why I enjoy having guests on that are authors and stuff like that. So uh, lots of thank yous coming from the folks out there, including Lola. And uh, Cruzman says, I'm glad I caught at least half the show. You can always go back and, and watch this, and we'll have it up on audio as well as it's going to go up on YouTube. So here's what I'm going to do, Larry. I'm going to roll in the end, but don't leave. Uh, I'm going to roll in the end, and we're going to come back, and I'm going to ask you to leave us with some words of wisdom. So I'll give you a couple of seconds to think about that. And um, I'm going to roll the end in right now. So stay right there. All right, guys, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, I do want to let you guys know that uh, tomorrow we're, we're going to have, um, I, I completely forgot his name now. Hold on, let me pull it up. This is why I got the Discord. As Lola said, we've got long distance black powder rifles with Eric of Axis Works coming on tomorrow. There you go. Good thing I've got those notes uh, to reach out to. Uh, Larry Correa, words of wisdom. Uh, read books with your kids. And teach your kids to shoot guns. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much to Larry Correa for joining us here. I appreciate you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Larry, stay there. I'm going to hit the buttons and end this right now. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. We're out of here. Peace.